0: your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time, or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at eBayMotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: But Dustin, I don't need. I don't
2: need a part. I don't need, I don't need a friend.
1: I need my older brother,
0: and we are live everybody welcome to the post wrestling cafe on a saturday evening
2: that is right it is our double or nothing post show i'm john pollock along with waiting we don't do enough saturday night shows way shall we start Uh, we might have to after tonight's show if this is going to be the staple night i think they have carved out boy between ufc and aew it could be a very competitive night some nights Mm -hmm. we have a lot to go through from saturday night's card in las vegas nevada but first of all i want to welcome Everyone that is tuning in live on our uh, patron feed, all our Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso listeners. Oh, my uh, God. A lot of people tonight. A Um, lot of people checking in for this uh, double shot. mm -hmm. Uh, Not double shot for this double or nothing show, we are going to be taking your calls later on in the show. So you can keep this number handy. We will uh, repeat it later on, but seven, three, two, 800, 4423 Wayne and I are going to provide our thoughts on the show going through the entire event from Las Vegas and then open up the phone lines as well. You could Skype in just search for post wrestling. And I'm going to start way with, uh, your kind of level, uh, where you thought this show had reached just in terms of overall engagement the day of the show because I felt that announcing this show so far out was a really wise choice that uh, Tony Khan seemed really to want to make the announcement of this promotion as early as possible going back to January and here they had all this build up and you knew the first show was going to have a lot of momentum just being the first but it just seemed to build and build and we talked about a bit of being the elite could they have pushed some of the matches more but this ultimately felt like we know we have a kick-ass show we know this crowd is going to be very very hot for this show and they went out and they they gave a tremendous show but the day of where did you find that your interest level for me i i felt it very similar to
0: a wrestlemania like to me it felt that important in that it It wasn't so much about the matches. Certainly, you know, it had to have a good looking card. But much like All In, I felt like what we were about to watch tonight was something of a, you know, felt like a significant, almost historical show. In that, first of all, All In was, you know, what it was. But this also felt significant because it was the first under the AEW banner. And with the full AEW crew, I'm talking about the production staff as well. So for me, it felt like a real first glimpse of what this soon-to-be rival to the wwe was going to look like so in that sense i i felt a lot of hype for it i was watching a lot of the starcast uh, events as well um and certainly just judging by the online buzz at least with, within my circles and the, and the people that listen to the show it, it felt very much the same with them as well
2: i think as soon as the television deal was announced this uh took on any e- an even bigger life but in the week leading up i think that momentum was building and i thought starcast was it just made this feel like that big like this was a big event it just felt like everyone in the wrestling world minus the two of us were in las vegas and i was like you i was watching a lot of the star cast stuff and it just this felt like a big event
0: yeah absolutely um I, i'm trying to you know think of like a I, I don't even know if wrestlemania necessarily feels
2: this way anymore but I, was, I think it does mm-hmm. i i think wrestlemania there's still a big big excitement level it's surrounding now the whole weekend but i do still feel that wrestlemania does have that anticipation but factor. as
0: far as the positivity i suppose you know like i think with wrestlemania
2: this year so much of it is just like almost- i think going in people have high expectations but this was something different like this is the launch of something it's going yeah. to have that that curiosity feel that right down to what is the what is the set going to look like what are what is the production going to be like? There were so many unanswered questions of just what is a first time out going to resemble. Yeah. Today,
0: though, I, I mean, I, I would I would say what, what I kind of sensed online. And again, I'm only talking about the circles that perhaps I follow. Perhaps, you know, like our little bubble. Um, it was just an overwhelming kind of like excitement. Whereas WrestleMania Day, a lot of the criticism is just like, oh, man, like this is going to be seven hours. Are you ready for this? Or, oh, man, like it's almost like, you know. People kind of dreading it, but, you know, somewhat excited. Whereas today, it just felt like, I would say, pretty overwhelmingly positive. But obviously, some, some skepticism as well. This
2: show was uh, just under five hours. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the last five hour anything that I have watched that has... I didn't think there was a dead moment on this show. Like, in terms of just, like, the pacing. I And yeah. th- there were lengthy matches at the end. I thought all of them had the proper amount of time. I didn't feel a whole lot of drag. I thought this these five hours went by real quick. Well, we think back to
0: WrestleMania, and and that certainly had you know um, um, dead spots. Uh, the G One SuperCard certainly had dead spots. Wrestle Kingdom, I thought, was a pretty solid show. Like it's it felt it feels like it's a decade ago at this point. But um, yeah, I would certainly rank this up there amongst the five hour shows that. Like what was WrestleMania this year? Fast. It was around seven. Yeah,
2: yeah. So this was this was two hours under. It's not like this was that less of a show. Um, although
0: I, I i will say i thought the main event on this particular show and we're gonna get into it but to me i definitely felt a it bit had tired. some issues
2: and i think some understandable um afterwards yeah. but yeah we will get into that and I'm, I'm gonna say i thought this was a phenomenal show it wasn't without its issues though this was oh, yeah. not a, a flawless show either so we're going to address uh what we thought worked, what we thought didn't work and we may not agree on everything either. For those uh, who
0: aren't interested necessarily uh calling in, we our feedback threads are open up on the forum as well. So we'll get
2: to those uh before the end of the show. forum.postwrestling.com you can throw those up there and we will dedicate time at the end of the show to getting to your written feedback as well. So the buy-in pre-show, uh earlier in the day they had announced that Orange Cassidy was going to be uh, part of the the buy-in uh pre-show as mm-hmm. well as a late announcement and for the pre-show it was Alex Marvez and Excalibur. Uh, do you want to talk about the commentary now, or do you want to uh, talk about it throughout the show? Um, just I in- think we'll talk about it throughout the show,
0: because it'll come up often throughout the show. Let me just say, uh, I, I was uh, not, not present with you at the time of the buy, and I tried to watch this on the YouTube channel, and it was, for whatever reason, not...
2: I went over to Fight TV because it didn't start right away. So I went and Fight TV, it was starting. So did YouTube ever start? It was not working on the AEW YouTube channel. They had even put up like test streams
0: throughout throughout the day. Yeah. And for the longest time, it was just not going so uh it wasn't until i went into the chat room on the aew youtube channel where they said that it was streaming on the tnt youtube channel i will never
2: go into a chat room on youtube so (laughs) that was not happening for me i just went to fight tv i saw them talking i was like okay moving over you know uh, part of my curiosity going into the show was
0: obviously uh, very much in the technical aspects of it how many you know uh, how flawless would it be
2: and this was a bad first sign i i do have to point out yeah i mean the youtube stream not starting i assume it started at some point at some
0: point it started
2: it seemed flawless the tnt stream was pretty flawless throughout but i mean even if they had um like they got to that battle royale quick it was Mm -hmm. not like the wwe kickoff where it's a half hour of talking before the first match they were going right to the match pretty much after an intro from marvez and excalibur so that's how we started things off the casino battle royale uh before we even do that, do you want to talk about the set, and you want to talk about some of those. Yeah. So well? photos have been coming out over the weekend of the set, and we had the dual entrances, very much reminiscent. Uh, it did look like the old Impact Zone, the Impact Zone, except rather than you know t- uh, the
0: two separate entrances for two, two, two separate sides, it was
2: like the the Invasion pay per view. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It. I thought it looked great. I uh, thought I thought production wise, um, just from an aesthetic point, it, this looked like a major league look it looked better than all in
0: uh looked more elaborate than all in um and looked as good if not better than most B show pay-per-view sets um you know to start the show there were patches of you know empty seats especially on the hard camera side but it was still decently full when they panned around
2: yeah yeah um so the casino battle royale it was they announced over the weekend that they had overbooked this thing, so there were now going to be 22 people in the Battle Royale, starting with five people in the ring, and then the ensuing suits would contain five additional members every three minutes. Or so we thought. Yeah. This... I will give my thoughts on the Casino Battle Royale as a whole at the end of this. But in the ring to start it was Brandon Cutler, Sunny Days, MJF, Dustin Thomas, and Michael Nakazawa as the club's. Um, lots of booze for MJF, who I have to say was one of the stars of the show, and it had nothing to do with the wrestling, but this guy, uh, this was a tremendous showcase for him. I cannot imagine. Um, th- this is the kind of performance where I think if Vince McMahon were to sit down and watch this show at the end of it, MJF would be on his short list of people that he would be intrigued by. As
0: an American wrestling you know, heel, I think he is excellent like he's almost textbook in how great he is he feels very old school just like just a a, an excellent shit disturber who is not afraid to kind of like you know go pretty mean yeah he's fantastic
2: then we had the they just started um i guess the highlight of the beginning was if you want to call it that was michael nakazawa using the baby oil onto himself um he's pretty much just become joey ryan I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I guess you you you'll you'll
0: see that later on. I mean, pretty much kind of bringing over like something that fits very much into DDT right onto AEW television.
2: So then they announce the next set are the diamonds, but no one comes out, and we're passing the three minute mark, and not just by a second or two. It is like we're approaching the four minute mark. No one's come out, and then all of a sudden. Brian Pillman Jr. attacks Isaiah Cassidy, a private party, on his way to the ring, and then Jimmy Havoc and Joey Janella suplex Pillman Jr., and it leads to Sean Spears coming out, getting a good reception, and this immediately I thought was a real screw-up of the concept, and was my confirmation that... I really don't like the five guys at once. It just minimizes. No one gets a special entrance. Uh, Even Sean Spears, who they tried to isolate here. And I don't know what happened here. We had no countdown. We had uh, poor communication about when they were coming down. And it just got off to a really bad start i kind of almost like chalked this up more
0: to towards a, a production snafu than than anything did they have entrance music or did was there music at all for the first set of entrance Cause I, No, i was, they were just in the ring they were just in the ring to start off yeah of course so this one didn't have music either so they would just kind of walk out as a group and it felt incredibly odd i thought the whole idea of tiering and grouping these separate entrances was was so that you can have individual entrances for all these guys to me, the point of a battle royal is so that you can have individual moments for all these guys in the form of an entrance. Like we at least got that for, uh, you know the the G one Super card. having everybody just show up as as a batch like this, and especially without music. In, oh yeah, like in these. No, first I thought two, it was
2: it was they want to have the entrances that a Royal Rumble has, but also cut time so you do five at a time, but you can't focus on any one person they tried here with spears to try and give him as much of his own Spe- as possible spears
0: by the way was number 10 technically because he was the last mo- one of the fifth Oh, that crew that meant, but that, that completely flew, flew over everybody's head because you know these were kind of grouping so i would have just like in the end just done like your your basic royal rumble let everybody have their quick entrance
2: and then you know 30 seconds even but it, you he, wait till we watch that 50 man battle royal. I wonder if you'll be asking for entrances in that.
0: Yeah. So, you know, but Spears gets great reaction.
2: Um, 10 chance all around. So, you know, he's definitely recognized. Uh, Brian Pillman Jr. was morphing into Ricky Morton Jr. with his blonde dyed mullet. Uh, MJF gave the middle finger to the crowd and then got poked in the eyes by Spears. And Spears hit the tiebreaker that maybe will have a new name. He did the 10 sign and gave MJF the middle finger. Next up was the Hearts. Uh, not the Hart family, but the Hearts. Uh, Billy Gunn, Glacier, Jungle Boy, uh, Mark Queen, and Ace Romero. Yes, this uh, time they did have music. This so- time they did have music. This one came out. You had Justin Roberts doing the countdown. Yeah, and you had music. Like they they figured it out after the blunder of the second group, but um. I I still don't like the the clump of guys coming down together. Mm -hmm. I think it just kind of... It diminishes everybody. But, you know, at the same time, this is a battle royal, right? Uh, Nakazawa was the first one out, and then they got into some clever spots. Janela lit his cigarette and then had it put out in his forehead. Um, Glacier got dumped out by MJF, so that got a lot of heat. And then... um, the Spades group came out, which was Marco Stunt, Luchasaurus, Sonny Kiss, and Tommy Dreamer, who was one of our surprise unannounced entrants. And Romero, Ace Romero, hit a tope suicida that he nearly did, in fact, kill himself. Orange Cassidy came out amongst this group as well. But he
0: and was, he was the 22nd person. But yeah. he was not announced. I actually don't think there are 22nd people. I actually just kind of went back and counted. Are you sure? They called him the 22nd. I think they didn't even see that he had come out because if you count the batches, this is we're up to twenty, including
2: Orange Cassidy. Right. Um, well, the math may have been off. Then you're right. Yeah, if that was if that was the the five here, um, that would be twenty plus one. We never did get a twenty second. Uh, Remar- um, Dreamer brought in the weapons, which. I mean, got really over. Dreamer was one of the more popular figures in this.
0: It's the same ECW pop that he always gets. He comes out with weapons and people chant ECW. Yes.
2: And then the Joker hangman page that I think everyone assumed. And he came out. His knee was taped up to solve the pock injury. He's renamed the rites of passage into the dead eye.
0: Yeah. I thought the, the rights of Passage was a fine name, but okay, sure.
2: Uh, Marco Stunt was the one to take Ace Romero's pounce over the top and eliminated him. Uh, Jungle Boy, I thought, got a lot of shine in this match, yep. and uh, he looked really good. Uh, Dustin Thomas, I thought, was kind of an afterthought. He got over so big at spring break. They did the 619 spot to Janela, but as he was setting up for it, you've got the long shot of him running towards Janela and then as he's going to rotate, the camera cuts away so you miss yeah. the contact and that was one of many like little things that they missed that right. like this was um it had its moments on the on the production. I know like you know Keith Mitchell is is a part of the the
0: production, uh, obviously somebody who's been involved in wrestling for decades. Uh But I don't know how familiar he is with somebody like a Dustin Thomas. You know, I think this is one of those things where you would have to have seen and knew what he was going for in order to know how to catch it. So there are definitely bits and moments
2: like that throughout the entire show. Uh, And then Thomas was eliminated. I was really glad they didn't do the, uh, like, both feet must touch the floor and do some spot like that. I thought that would have been really lame. Um, (laughs) Yeah, as far as, you know, like, like an appearance for
0: him, certainly it did not come near the level of what he did at spring break you know that was set up perfectly it was just for him and he had a whole full match i guess this was like a nice
2: little glimpse hey look it's kind of the gift and the curse is that we look for great stories to build up these guys and they did a lot of great videos with some of the people in here but unfortunately you can't give everybody like sunny days had a really touching story about how he got in here but not everyone you have to isolate who are the priorities and Dustin Thomas sunny days weren't in Mm -hmm. the match. So I understand that, uh, sunny kiss did the spot, uh, putting the ass into tommy dreamer's face and then was knocked out to the floor they also tried to have a standoff between adam page and joey
0: janela just because these two had had played their match yeah but nobody really recognized it i mean they recognized it It, the problem is it was not a significant feud at all if anything that was a feud
2: between joey janela and adam page so i thought that felt kind of flat i think everyone when they think of that match they think of joey ryan yes um Orange Cassidy is in. He briefly had a confrontation with Dreamer. Dreamer was put out by Jimmy Havoc after being hit with the staple gun several times, including in the balls. MJF sent Jungle Boy over the top. He held onto the top rope. Havoc bit his hand, fell to the floor. So it's down to Luchasaurus, Hangman Page, Jimmy Havoc, and MJF. I thought Luchasaurus also looked very good. Um, yeah, and definitely. Yeah, yeah someone that I wasn't will. expecting to be really focused upon, and they had him go right till the end. He eliminated Jimmy Havoc with a running boot. Page then sent Luchasaurus over with a low bridge, and the bell rang, uh, which was an intentional bell ringing early before yeah. the match had actually ended. And then MJF runs from behind, so they're teasing, um, doing that finish. But Page hangs on and sets up, hits the buckshot lariat, and throws out MJF. 24 minutes, Hangman Page uh, will challenge for the aew title i'll tell you right now excalibur was the mvp of this show
0: like i think john and i will both agree he was fantastic he had one i thought one little error and that was when mjf climbed climbed out and he reiterated that oh these several men are in the ring but let's also remember mjf is also in hiding as well But that totally took away the surprise at the end. You know, you can argue
2: that... They also did it too quickly. I mean, he was part of the Final Four. It's not like the spot where you disappear for the longest time and you've forgotten about the person. He had just been there. So I don't even blame Excalibur. It's like you almost... You're you're sacrificing your own credibility when we've all just seen him. Exactly. He was, I guess, if anything maybe respecting
0: our intelligence too much yeah i really didn't find it was a. so then i guess you could you could you should really fault the booking of it and maybe the predictability of something like that for for that mjf spot i did not
2: like the concept i thought this needs severe retooling i didn't think the grouping worked uh this was a far cry from the over the budget battle royal um not to say it was a bad match but on this show um this might have been the weakest match of the show and this was I mean, that's a tough role to isolate one match on this show, but this would be my pick. I think as far as battle royals
0: go, including like Royal Rumbles and things like that, I thought this was one of the weaker ones. Um, And and that's somewhat unfortunate because I was actually pretty hyped for this one, especially coming out of All In. Um, Which was one of
2: the better battle royals I've seen.
0: But, you know, as far as, like, you know, the moments that they tried to create, I thought they kind of missed the mark mark a lot. I agree. It, it, the, the problem also as well is that you're dealing with an audience that's very familiar with a lot of the participants in this. But you're also talking about a great deal of casual people who have never seen Orange Cassidy before. So when he came in and did this stuff, I thought a significant portion of the crowd got, uh, got it over and enjoyed it enough. But you also had, you know, a lot of silence as well. Um, so it it's kind of the issue when you're doing a battle royal with with a number of relative unknowns
2: um there was was another moment later that we'll get to where you know sometimes uh you take for granted like a gcw audience that yeah these people know everyone and they are gonna pop for everything surprises like they will know obscure people and you put this same match in front of that crowd We're probably having a very different reaction to this.
0: This was much better than the clusterfuck, if that's what we're
2: comparing it was (laughs) better, but that also, I think that those spots were very much designed for an audience that they knew they would work with. It's true. Um, Uh, Yeah, I've got to say, my expectations were really high for this because of the -the over-the-budget battle royal, and they... I, they did not meet them. I think they missed the mark on the
0: entrances by bundling everybody together. They yeah, I did you know, not like it. By that. the end, it's like a Sean Spears is totally forgettable, unfortunately.
2: And also, um, uh, sorry not to uh, yeah. interrupt, but they also, Cody and the Bucks did a panel and this was done lightheartedly, but they had Alex Marvez interviewing them and he asked, will Sean Spears be fined or suspended for revealing his card? Yeah. And Cody's like, huh? What? And Matt is like, and you can tell, like, Matt is certainly, I feel, one that is a stickler for little things, meaning a lot in the end. He Said, well, yeah, we explained you cannot under any circumstance reveal your card. And Cody kind of just shrugs his shoulders and is like, ah, you know, whatever. I, you guys kind of lost me on the battle royal and stuff. That was such a small, small detail though that like I wouldn't even have picked up. And I'm no, I wouldn't. Stuff, I like the fact but, Matt did,
0: sure. Um, but it also tells you, okay, Cody must have been in charge of producing those bits and therefore, like, well, it Matt, told me they
2: were not on the same page yeah. regarding this match, sure. And I When I heard the concept, I thought, okay, here's something I'm interested to see how it's executed. And after seeing it, uh, I can't can't say that uh, it was a big winner. I have to say, the announcement of
0: the winner getting the title shot, of course, you know, affected perhaps some of the anticipation by the end. You know, when it came down to it, I suppose, really, it was only Hangman Page that felt like a legitimate contender. Um, And I think, you know, seeing how everything unfolded, they probably would you say only came up with this idea to, to crown the winner, um, sorry, to, to crown the winner as the number one contender I, actor? I,
2: I think they were put in a situation where this was not supposed to be a battle royal of any significant stakes. Mm-hmm. You have to rebook Hangman Page and you have to get to the same destination um, by by playing musical chairs. Right. And I thought, given the fact that they had to adjust all of this... and Because what you of the, go- the pock issue. Yes, yes, because of the pock issue. Uh, you got to what you wanted by the end. Sure. And I really... I, I didn't fault them for how they had to adjust on the fly. And that to me, wasn't a big issue about putting the higher stakes on this. I mean, yes, it looks a little silly when you have uh Luchasaurus and Billy Gunn competing for the world title. And then you have uh, Cody and, and Dustin for nothing. But I thought that that, that to me, wasn't so much the issue as much as the, the idea in and of itself being mm-hmm. played out. And I just wasn't a big fan of the casino battle Royale gimmick. So uh, Alicia Tout was backstage and one I know she did a lot of the online stuff but this was a lot like all in where they did one interview with her on the show this was the only time she was you know there used. weren't many backstage interviews there were none yeah I mean on the show they did the one skip backstage yeah. and then they did this and this did not get over very well um Alicia interviewed Kylie Ray who walks in and she's explaining how excited she was and after all this time this is the payoff everyone Peter Avalon walks in and tells them to shh, and Leva Bates walks in, telling them to be quiet, and each proclaims to be the librarian. I'm not
0: so much this was a pay. Uh, sur- I'm not so sure that this was a payoff. I think this was just you know uh,
2: referencing that, their presence. Um, I don't think this was like how many weeks did we spend hyping up this librarian? Send in your videos. We've got to name the librarian. Yeah, here we are yeah um i think i think they will continue the storyline
0: cool um but you know this was for me a test because it was a test to see how a live audience and in particular even an online audience how they would react to seeing like a bit that i thought works pretty well on bte but in like a real pay-per-view uh live setting how does it feel it it feels felt weird like it did not feel like I certainly can't see this like fitting on TNT you know and that's what kind of I don't know if this how different this is going to look from their actual TV show but like the kind of combination of, like, you know, the freedom and, like, kind of, like, the nicheness of a YouTube channel versus something that's, you know, for a... There was no handheld mic
2: either. It was a boom mic that they used for this just to make it look a bit different.
0: Yeah, so something, like, for mass consumption, it, it'll it be very different, and it'll be a really weird balancing act. We, we should also mention on uh, the latest edition of BTE, which was dropped on Thursday, Matt hinted that he
2: didn't know if BTE would continue... Um, after the tv show i'm sure that's the truth i'm sure they would like to and probably that that could be a casualty
0: i'm watching this show like kind of half like you know for myself but also like from the perspective of a newer fan and i wonder how like you know uh, somebody taking a chance on on AEW, how how would they react to the librarian should they care how how that person reacts
2: i mean I, i don't think you're you're casting a judgment on the the fate of this show on on this one segment but this seemed to be one of the more negative things on the show which at the end of a five-hour show, if it's if it's the librarians on screen for a minute. It's I would just say it was forgettable, yeah. honestly. Sammy Guevara and Kip Sabian, uh, this was put in this slot, because this was airing live on ITV4 in the UK. Um, Sabian, I, I thought these two had a really good match, and I just felt it was, the, the crowd got into it as the match built up, but it really felt like this was secondary to the Battle Royal on the pre-show, mm-hmm. and people just wanted to get to the main show. Yeah. Um, by the time yeah. this one was in the ring. Uh, Sabian sent Guevara to the floor, sprung off the middle rope with a flip. Then Guevara followed with a dive of his own that the camera missed, and it was just like a, a tight shot, and you just kind of saw the the collision. Sabian applied the, cr- the cruciatus clutch... I believe is what it is called. I didn't catch the name. Um, he had a standing shooting star press onto Sabian for a two count. Then they did the vertical suplex spot where they tumble over the top to the floor, ending with Guevara hitting the vertical, mm-hmm. drape Sabian onto the barricade, and Guevara comes off the apron with a shooting star where Sabian's draped on the, on the barricade. Guevara then went for the 630, landed on the knees, and he was hit with the Deathly Hollows with Kip Sabian winning at 941. I thought it was a fine match, you know, some, some really cool spots,
0: but I honestly can't really say that much about it. You know, I think Sammy Guevara is a tremendous heel, a tremendous, tremendous personality in ring. Um, it was like a good 205 live match.
2: Yeah. And I did, I didn't, they, they weren't going all out to do every move under the sun either. I think they understood their position and that's kind of what this pre-show felt like. It was not their stealing the show um and maybe that's 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 fine like this was it, it was an average match
0: yeah i don't i don't think this audience wanted them to, to steal the show like if they went into like you know a bunch of like false finishes and all that this is not what this audience really wants this was meant to be a preview for these talents
2: yeah and yeah. i'd be curious how they they utilize something like this in the future because uh six months from now if they're on TNT and they get a pre-show on TNT where you're in front of a larger audience than your fans on YouTube and ITV4, um, you may want to put something on really hot to drive those last-minute buys. So that's kind of interesting what what your strategy is um, for, or is it just simply to wet people's appetite to buy for more? It's kind of an interesting strategy how you approach a pre-show like this. Mm. Main show began with... They go backstage with Omega, the Bucks, Cody, and Brandy. They're all arriving. Cody's got the uh, the Starbucks cup with the uh, the FTR on it. and Jim Ross gets his own uh, backstage little walk-up as well. Yes. And they each took turns welcoming everyone to the show as they came out in front of the crowd. They rounded up the attendance figure to 20,000. And <laughs> this is at the end of the pre-show. So they're about to cut off... And Cody is in the middle of his speech as they fade to black. Mm-hmm. This
0: was very much like all in where it, they ha kind of had like a similar speech. They like they came out and spoke right before they went on air. And I guess the timing was a little bit off here.
2: Yes. So, so a little... Uh- we, we we had some issues on the pre-show. But. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was
0: cool at least though that you got to see them like come out and cut a promo before going uh, into the show itself. It makes you feel like you're watching like the first se- several minutes of or Do several you like seconds this
2: more than uh, Joe Rogan and Dana White yelling at you.
0: I like it. I like it a lot more. I mean, it feels more genuine
2: for one thing. Into the pay per view we go, and this is when Jim ross joins Excalibur and Alex Marvez for the duration of the show opening things up Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky. What did you think of the anthem. Oh, we had the the national anthem uh involving Christopher Jackson. I think so. His wife Victoria yeah. and his daughter and this was um a challenge. It, I don't know this guy. I'm sure he has like a great story
0: and like the, the from from the sounds of it like it feels like Cody and the Bucks they they hire people based on like, you know, either they personally know or or if this guy like, had some story. But um, it was kind of meh <laughs> as far as like anthems go.
2: It was a, it was an interesting delivery. Yeah. So Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky against Shima, T-Hawk, and L. Lindemann. And SCU got an enormous reaction. They cut a promo in the ring. Daniel sang, called themselves the Ambassadors of California Love. And then they got the advantage on Lindemann. T-Hawk was in, and he attacked Daniel's neck, and Daniel's came back with an STO. Kazarian did a Northern Lights suplex uh, roll-up combination, and then Daniel's entered. Huge suicide dive to the floor. Sky hit a flying cutter onto Lindemann, and then Daniel's hit the Angel's wings onto T-Hawk. Lindemann broke it up. Kazarian hit a flying Rana. Everyone was hitting their spots here in quick succession, and it ended with the BME into a Kazarian tombstone onto Lindemann for the win. 13 minutes, 46 seconds. Um... Daniel's and Kazarian, in particular, you can throw in Shima as well. Given the the age of these guys, blew me away. I thought this was an excellent, excellent opener for their
0: age. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, but I, to me the standouts in my, for me at least, I thought L. Lindemann really caught my eye. Um, I thought Scorpio Sky really looked fantastic in this match as well. I mean, that's to say... I, you I know, thought they all looked good. This yeah. was an excellent six-man. Yeah. And and I thought a great way to to open the show. It was just fast. Really, you know, pretty light on story. And you didn't really need it. This was like your hot cruiserweight opener. I mean, I thought this was really good. But I think you and I, we were most
2: impressed all match with Excalibur. Like, oh. he is just... Let, let's just talk about it now. This yeah. guy... Um, called the 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 show of his life in front of the biggest audience he's ever been in front of. He was fantastic. His ability to identify everything, no backstories, he could raise the drama level. He just so ec- excitable and yeah. in a natural sounding way. Um, this, I I thought I thought at it, at certain points. I know that Jim Ross is going to be someone that is going to be polarizing to many people, but I thought him in Excalibur. I thought he brought out a very element with with jim ross that i thought that they had some very good interplay i i didn't think the show would
0: have been half as good without excalibur on commentary I like completely he agree. is the perfect lead and i i i emphasize lead he should be the lead commentator on this thing and he really was not only does he bring knowledge of every participant in this in this uh, uh on this event no he knew 90 something percent of the moves way more than i think your your typical commentator does but he also had like tremendous charisma and cre- tremendous energy in his calls and i guess I, I i always knew he had this like watching pwg but like i had never heard his voice in crystal clear audio the way we, we heard it here he sound it sounded professional
2: immediately he sounded like top level announcer so my new dream oh. my new dream team is Excalibur and Jim Cornette yes. in New Japan with Chris Charlton?
0: <laughs> that'd be fucking great.
2: Could you imagine Excalibur and Jim Cornette together?
0: Yeah, that'd be amazing. Oh, um, um, but I,
2: this was—he was a hundred percent one of the MVPs of the show. I guess I wonder, could could you see Jim Cornette calling a Bucks or Kenny Omega match? Uh, I, I don't think it would be an AEW. Probably hmm. not. Which is unfortunate because I feel that uh Cornette right now is t- t- he's excellent. He's he's the yes. best color guy in the in the industry
0: yeah. right now. But you know, uh he provided excellent like background. Alex Marvez, his role is more just like, you know, the dirty work. Like uh tweet us everybody, we're trending, like, you know, kind of your typical Michael Cole
2: stuff. I do so, feel he will get better. I yeah. was I I know that he was kind of the one that people were kind of isolating tonight. Uh I do feel he will grow more into that role because that is a role you do need. You do yeah. need the guy doing the grunt work. And from the sounds of it, like from JR, he s- said that Marvez is going to be like our Jay Glazer and be someone that does include a lot of the stats. And when you okay. can incorporate that in a logical way and have built that up, I'm hoping that's something because he didn't really have that to offer tonight. Right. Um, I'm hoping in the future he does. I was not um, down on the the commentary. Uh, Excalibur to me was phenomenal. This was one of the best calls of the year uh, of any show. Yes. Maybe the best. Um And I thought that Jim Ross had, you know, you know, the styles he is familiar with, you know, the performers he is more familiar with than others. I think that he I think he works better with Excalibur than than other partners he's had in in the past. Uh, But what were your thoughts on
0: Jim Ross? I think Jim Ross brings a great deal of, you know, uh, uh, star power. To the team, to the product itself, I mean, you know, the fact that his face is on one of the posters, I think t- he is really one of the most recognizable people associated with AEW. So I think he g- brings a great deal of value th- that way. I I didn't think this appearance was as, I, I thought it was better than like some of the G1, uh, some of the uh, New Japan Long Beach shows that we've seen. I, I, I
2: don't think he is up to par with what today's standards are. I think that this is also a very... This is a different three-man booth as well because he's not doing play-by-play. He's not exactly color either. And you've got... The problem is you have Excalibur who covers all those bases so well. He knows the guys. He
0: can do the play-by-play. So it kind of shuts the other two out. Um, but then you also ask, you know, like, how, do we can we justify a three-man t- booth? What is the point of having a three-man booth?
2: Well, it's... It's an unconventional one. It's like you don't have... Like, yes, Excalibur is the ex-wrestler, but he's also more so being leaned on as play-by-play, which is not typically what you do with the ex-wrestler. The ex-wrestler is usually the color guy there. Because he's good at it. And there isn't the traditional color guy in this booth, really. Like, Jim Ross is kind of in between as, like, the storyteller, but also is kind of the lead man, which is is is, typically the play-by-play guy. But
0: the thing is, for a color guy, you want a guy who's familiar with the the characters, who's familiar with the moves, familiar with the stories. And the man most knowledgeable about all those things was
2: Excalibur on this team, on this, uh, panel. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I thought that the, the commentary team as a whole, I'm I'm curious where, where it grows from this. Like, I think they're committed they're gonna, to this, they're team. this booth. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So yeah. you're going to see like, this will be the show they go. This is going to be the team they go to TNT with. Um, Next, uh, Ali joined them, so we had a four-person crew for this next match with Nyla Rose, Dr. Britt Baker, and Kylie Ray. But before the match began, Brandy Rhodes came out, and everyone's thinking she's going to add herself to the match. And she was dressed in gear. She was in her wrestling gear. She said that she meant it when she told each of them that they could win the match. But then she ran into a problem. And she doesn't just want this to be a great match. She wants it to be Awesome. And out comes the Welfare Queen herself. Yeah, Awesome Kong joins the match, and we've got a fatal four-way.
0: I thought a great surprise uh, for your
2: pay-per-view. And she looked in great shape,
0: too. Yeah, uh, I was asking you, you know, when was the last time she wrestled? As far as I know, she or as far as as we know, she hasn't in quite a while.
2: I mean, maybe the odd match or two over the last little while, but she has, no, not been active since the, the Netflix show started. Right, yeah. So it begins and immediately Kong and Rose have this big face off and they kind of were isolated as kind of the, the two monsters in there. And it ends with a Rose taking a spinning back fist and going to the floor. Rose then caught Baker with a Samoan drop and Kylie Ray countered a power bomb attempt into a sunset flip and Baker stopping the pin. And then we kind of saw the, the pairs uh, separate where Kylie Ray was paired with Dr. Britt Baker and Rose with awesome Kong. Rose got stopped on top by Ray and Baker, so Kong comes in and slammed all three off the turnbuckle. Kong took out Baker with a spinning back fist on the floor, and then Kong was super kicked by Baker and Ray off the apron and speared into the steps by Nyla Rose, which took her out of the match. Ray went for an O'Connor roll onto Baker, who rolled into a bridging German. And then Baker responded with a super kick and the Ushiguroshi pinning Kylie Ray in 1107. And I thought the women worked really good here. And I thought Kong was a positive addition. And it seems like uh, a potential program with Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose had a lot of presence in the match. And I would say she was someone that maybe a lot of people were not familiar with. But I thought she had a good showing here and the right opponent in Awesome Kong to showcase that with. Yeah,
0: I, I I certainly feel like um, her and Kong being paired off feels natural. Um, I thought the match was good, not a show stealer by any means, but no. I thought it was a good showcase for perhaps where the where the direction of the women's division is going in AEW. Standouts by far were Kylie Rae and Britt Baker, both looked excellent. Um, Kong's surprise I thought was really cool and made made it a lot really special. But I didn't really feel like she did a whole lot in the match. You know, she was just kind of there and then kind of in and out for most of the match nyla rose i i wasn't as impressed by um there seemed to be to me a bit of trepidation in a lot of her movements she didn't feel like the powerhouse that i think you would expect somebody of her size to feel like timing felt a bit off at times but you know i mean it's a big stage you know perhaps you chalk it up to that
2: yeah i, th- I thought that the four like they they didn't have the the most amount of time on this show but i, I thought each kind of got a nice bit of a, a showcase here. Uh, and I think that the Kong Nyla Rosing, that's something interesting, uh, they can go with, uh, best friends versus Enhelico and Jack Evans. Uh, first off we had, uh, Chucky and Trent going for the hug and they were cut off with drop kicks from behind. And this was an interesting match. The way they set it up where Enhelico and Jack Evans, they didn't do every mat, every move out of the gate. They kind of built up the match towards, uh, doing a lot of their big spots. And, uh, but pacing them very well. Um, Chucky hit the falcon arrow onto Jack Evans, and the announcers yelled that no one kicks out of that. Evans then kicked out of that, and then Chucky yelled, no one kicks out of my falcon arrow. And then he hit Angelico with a Shiranui on the floor and returned with a jumping foot stomp onto Evans, and then Chucky and Trent got the the hug, and they even did the big zoom out as they hugged. Uh, Angelico then saved Evans from the dude buster, hit a code red onto Trent, and then we got... um, a lot of the high-flying here, including Evans coming off of Trent's back and hitting a moonsault to Chucky on the floor. And then and Helico hit a crucifix bomb, followed by Evans with a 630 splash. So that was the successful 630 of the show after Guevara missed his. Chucky made the save, and then the best friends hit the doomsday knee drop, and then Chucky hit the Topicon hero, and they won with the, uh, uh, the dude buster with the double foot stomp on the, onto the back there. Mm-hmm. So 12 minutes 42 seconds the best friends won. Um it was a different match than I was anticipating, but I th- I thought this was a really solid tag match. I thought it was really solid. I mean, you know, I thought I thought it was even very good.
0: I did feel like the crowd lack lacked a little in this match. Like this was to me when it started to sound quiet at times and I I wonder how much of it is due to perhaps a lack of promotion of the, the the men in this match like obviously a lot of people know the participants in this match but i'm i i get a big sense that a lot of people tuning into the show are either fans of new japan or fans of being the elite and even though the best friends appeared on being the elite multiple times they weren't exactly given a ton of air time nor personality time to kind of create their characters and really get themselves over and helico and jack evans were just in the last last one so uh i know people know them from lucha underground and, and various other places that they've been in but i just didn't sense this crowd care about this match as much as even somebody like a like a brandon cutler in the battle royal
2: yeah I, I thought they all worked hard though i thought this was like a really strong tag match um better than i was expecting too and i i went into this looking forward to this one after the match the four are in there and the lights go out and then they come on and inside are the Super Smash Brothers, and no one recognizes them. No, the lights go out again, and people are thinking, "Oh, maybe there's another surprise, and this will be the big pop." They come back, and there's all these masked minions that start attacking the participants, uh, the best friends, and Helico and Jack Evans, and the crowd is just—they're chanting, "Who are you?" They do not know. Any of these people, Uh, I mean, the minions were designed to be anonymous, but it was just a really tough spot to put the Smash Brothers in, and on top of that, Excalibur is explaining that I know who those people are, but never identifies them. They're never identified by name, and it was just, like, they're a great tag team, but they are not going to get the big lights Mm -hmm. out surprise pop. So this was a curious way to introduce them. And it fell flat.
0: Yeah. We're talking about the, the super smash brothers who uh, for years now have not been permitted to work in America due to their visa, visa issues. issues. They're Canadians. So um, we're talking about a team that like maybe people in like Reseda would, they would go crazy for this, but like the, the AEW fan who again, to me is a lapsed WWE fan who watches being the elite as sort of their gateway into independent wrestling. They have not promoted this duo enough for people to recognize them. No, there care. was the
2: one screenshot. The one thing
0: was a split second of a screenshot that cheesed you. And, and I think the bucks definitely overestimated how many people would recognize them here to hear this audience chant. Who are you? To me, this represented like, you know, the, in my opinion, sort of like the first time you saw an audience turn on something that these guys put out they didn't do it in all in they supported everything in all in even like the battle royal for all its faults i thought this audience respected it this was in a minor example of that but something that this audience actively kind of turned on
2: yeah it's something i go back uh, something like this to a gcw audience they go nuts for and i'm just i i know i'm picking gcw but we're not dealing with that like tnt you well yeah and and i think that that was yeah it was a misread of their audience and you know the lights out like that's supposed to be a massive pop Mm -hmm. and you, you put the right person there for that. Um, I felt bad for, for the smash. I did too, because because these guys are a phenomenal team. Mm -hmm. This tag division is fucking great. And you're kind of painting them with like a, who are you right off the bat? So misread. Yeah. But I mean, arguably if, if, they got over it's just a stumble in there but yeah it was just it was the idea the idea was like
0: the actual beatdown itself was actually really cool though to see like all all the minions gathered around and like having that whole thing if only like all they needed to do was really like maybe like show us some preview videos on like road to double or nothing or something you know something really cool and mysterious and you have it here
2: but anyway so then they announced all out saturday august 31st Another Saturday night at the Sears Center in Chicago. Uh, tickets going on sale June 14th, and is this going to be Saturday? Saturdays are going, going to be going to it be. It looks like now. Saturdays are going to be their night, and I'm curious
0: what. And we- I really like see. I don't see why wrestling has to
2: be on Sundays. It doesn't. Like why? Why haven't we had more Saturday shows? I think there's a. Oh, it's a very. Uh, yeah, there's really uh, there's a UFC card earlier in the day, but it's not uh, nothing big. Uh, it's an ESPN Plus show, so yeah, I think that I hey, love Saturday shows. Listen, if you have, uh, there was a time takeovers were Wednesday nights, and right. people if, if it's a great show, people are going to go out of their way to see it. Uh, sure. Night of the week is you can change people's habits if you have a destination program, people are going to find it and and watch it. And I like the fact that they're trying a different night of the week, so. Uh, Do you think this is going to be an automatic sellout? I do. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think with this. Coming
0: off of this show, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think people at this point are so hungry for anything
2: AEW with this roster. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I I think that tonight's show is going to be like, that's going to just spur on more demand, like Mm -hmm. after a show like this delivering. So that was the announcement for uh, the Sears Center, followed by our six woman tag. First off, we had uh, Rio Abe, who was just identified as Rio, Hikaru Shida, and Rio Mizunami taking on Aja Kong, Yuka Sakazaki, and Emi Sakura. And Sakazaki comes out, and she is described Sakazaki here. She's like dressed up as like a um um I I don't know if it's a video game
0: character or something, but yeah, something like parachute pants. You
2: know, just sure. like unbelievable personality. Yeah. I mean, just... I would say that for almost all of them. Every... The smartest part about this was that you had six women who... I would imagine the majority are familiar with Aja Kong, yeah. um less Hikaru Shida, but for for the most part... It's, I think, it's I a think lot of, outside of Aja Kong, I don't know how many Okay, people. well, let's go with that assumption then. Yeah. Is that you only know Aja Kong. It's like these six women, they were all so distinct from one another, like each mm. had their defining characteristic, I thought. To and- me, it's something you
0: kind of like see um, from like Jap- like Japanese wrestling in general, like just the idea that everybody really has to kind of work hard to craft their own personality. And and you kind of see it, you
2: know, like in, in with Asuka or, or Kairi Sane as well. Um, They got the advantage on Riho at the beginning with uh, Kong attacking her with kicks and playing off the the size discrepancy. Uh, Then we had uh, Mizunami get the tag and she sent Kong into Sakazaki and then just lit her up with chops. Mizunami got everyone chanting for her, built up to this big clothesline and... Yeah, Mizunami was just—I uh, thought she had like a ton of presence, even though she wasn't like the the size of Aja Kong. She was able to still play the bully role uh, at times in there with uh, Sakazaki and even with Sakura. Uh, Rio returned, hit Kong with a six-one-nine, and uh, we got to see the connection here on the six-one-nine. Yes, uh, this didn't one cut away. Yeah. And kill uh, Kong killed Rio with this suplex, just flattened her on a her neck. Driver. And then Kong came off the elbow with the uh, the Hamaguchi elbow drop. Missed that. Sheeta's tagged in. She couldn't lift up Kong. They saved her for the very end. They they kept her out the entire time. Sheeta, yeah, 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 she wasn't in any until the end. She seems to be like the one they're really pushing as like a big star. She got the win win here at the end And end then ball. referee Aubrey Edwards had her back turned, so Kong got this mini miniature garbage can, and Sheeta grabbed the kendo stick. And they just started attacking each other, and Edwards had to just keep her back turned for this whole time to not see um, what was going on behind her. Uh, Sakura also start started trying to get the Queen "We Will Rock You" chant going. That was awesome. Like <laughs> she came out dressed up as Freddie. Let me just say first of all, like she was awesome coming out
0: and like getting a match like this that to me was lifted strict like directly out of and Hall. Like, this was totally out of context. Like, no setup at all. Like, if you thought Smash Brothers was out of context, this was, like, that times a hundred. This was almost, like, just so wild. Here's a woman dressed up as Freddie Mercury. Yet, like, the moment she did the... <laughs> like, this whole crowd, like, got it. So, by the
2: end of it, um, I think everybody was recognizable. Uh, Sakura hit a moonsault off the top. She'd have kicked out. Unfortunately the near fall was so convincing yeah. that the timekeeper rang the bell. And this was not a spot like the hangman page MJF elimination. It threw the audience off, but like the referee was on top of it. And more importantly, Sakura and Sheeta, they were, they did not flinch at all. They just kept going. Kong then missed hit Sakura with a spinning back fist. And then Sheeta pinned her at 13 minutes. So Rio, uh, Hikaru Shida and Rio Mizunami win the match I love this match. I thought it was a tremendous showcase for these six. I thought all of them had their spots. It worked to the live audience in a tremendous way. I, I, I had high hopes for this. They were certainly met. I thought this had a really,
0: really, really tough task of trying to win over an audience that, for the most part, probably was not familiar with them. We kind of saw like the mixed reaction to like even somebody like the like the best friends versus you know Angelico and Jack Evans, and certainly to like the SSB. Um, and now you're presenting this audience with like five relative unknowns and somebody that you know is very much a a niche wrestlers um you know so I, I i i thought in ring though it immediately just like captured everybody uh in particular i was very impressed with riho i was uh incredibly impressed with um uh uh, uh Yuka sakazaki i thought looked fantastic as well so it was just like an in ring style that, you know, felt so fast and felt so different and by this point to me the best match on the show.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I thought this was a well called match as well.
0: Oh my God, again, like this was not a match that you could have done without Excalibur. So um Kenny has great taste. This was a great, great addition on the card. I mean there's no comparison like between this style of women's wrestling and like what we saw. With, with, the, with the, the, the women prior. And I don't even know if that's a fair comparison. Because I thought these women outworked even the men that came prior. So I hope they sign as many of them to full-time deals as they can.
2: Then we went into the big three matches on the card. Starting off with Cody and Dustin. And first was Cody and his entrance. He comes out. And we see this giant throne on the stage. And Cody comes out. He looks at this throne, and he walks down to ringside with Brandy, who goes underneath the ring and pulls out a sledgehammer. And Cody goes back up the stage to the throne and attacks the throne, and the smoke comes out of the throne after it's broken. And Cody was christened the Throne Breaker. The Throne Breaker. Now, can we just play? I was sent a, a clip here from uh, one of our friends in the media because Cody did a scrum afterwards, describing his entrance. So, do, okay, do we have a minute here? Yeah. Okay. You put,
0: put louder, please.
3: symbolized his uh reign and man i want to play ball i'm not you know
2: i'm i know we don't say competition but it stands for itself you know
3: and i also want people to know this role
2: this executive vice president role is my love and i'm excited about i want to be a wrestler first
0: and that's great we were able to do that tonight uh tony a time I can, I can, I can, I can, okay. all right. I, I, I get, I get the gist, gist, though. I think he said he, it's to represent the end of the WWE's rule, I guess, in particular, Triple H's
2: rule. And that's what I kind of took it to mean, you know? It was symbolic. Um, I didn't like it at all. I, I thought, the, 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 I understand that they are not, um, the number one promotion, and I get the sense of like punching up. Uh, I I think they should be above this kind of stuff to be honest. I mm-hmm. understand that there you, there's a time and a place for the shots. This just felt really um it it just felt what, too little brotherish. But what better time than on the show that you're about to do? Uh it's I don't know. To me it's it's a level that here on our biggest day on our launch that we dedicated so much of this right. uh this time and effort to to this. It just felt yeah. um I, I don't know. It's like you guys are Coming out of the gate, you have a lot of momentum behind you. You're on national television and I don't know. It just I I, I didn't think it came off well. I, I, and and I think there is a time. There is a time when you do take the shot and it's and it's worth it. This one felt to me just like a little bit too much look at me.
0: And you can argue that that's what they should be doing is telling them to look at me. Um you know, I I didn't love it, uh but I didn't The audience loved it. it so, yeah. I mean, I'm in the minority. I didn't dislike it. I thought it was just more so for them a symbolic statement about this company and that they are here to break the WWE's rule of this industry, which is what worked for them for all in, which is what's working for them for
2: AEW. Wasn't this show a louder statement than uh, it's a silly little stunt? That this whole show had that statement to it that we this this exact match that was to follow was a statement uh, towards your point.
0: You can uh, yeah, sure, you can argue that they didn't have to do it, but I don't necessarily think it hurt. I mean in your eyes it did cuz I I think you it, you you probably think it made them look petty, is that it? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to Yeah. I mean, I I think they know that competition is healthy for them. And if they what they can do is to get WWE to continue to respond to them, then it's a win for them. Um, you know, from
2: I'll be I'll be fair. I thought Hunter's like pissant comment at the Hall of Fame it was equally petty, of but course. it wasn't a big production of but, it.
0: But you know, let's also think about this in the big picture. Who benefits the most from AEW being around? WWE. Tremendously well. And within WWE, I think Triple H greatly benefits from having that competition. The more competition that the WWE gets, the more likely Vince is there to make drastic changes. And what's the most drastic drastic change you can make is to give more power to Triple H. Anyway, that's my conspiracy theory. Putting on my conspiracy theory hat. But not for a second do do I not believe that Triple H um didn't know what he was doing by making those comments he wants to start a war and this is cody playing along as well specifically targeting triple h it's all to create our next iteration of the monday night wars and business will boom for both companies when they do that hunter knows this cody knows this and i thought this was just one of, something to kind of spur that
2: on to me i thought the loudest statement from from the bucks and cody was wrestlemania weekend we're not even going to be there we're not even concerned with WrestleMania weekend. We've got our weekend. You don't even figure into our plan. This is certainly different from that tact,
0: you know, um, like Tony Khan and, and even Cody mentioning how we're not competition. This was a direct shot, at, at, you know, against the competition.
2: Yep, and there and there's, believe me, there's a large amount of the audience. They want this stuff. They love this stuff. And yeah. this clip will probably uh, be up everywhere tomorrow this will be probably one of the biggest clips that is circulated throughout the week watching something
0: like this I, like it, it really kind of strikes me how similar cody at least his persona is to triple h you know he's just like former wrestler turned executive and oh yeah
2: he's the, like right down to the executive com- vice president
0: complete with like his own version of stephanie by his side grabbing the sledgehammer for him and brandy the chief brand officer yes so i mean
2: those two are are very parallel i suppose Um, Dustin comes out with his, uh, his black and red attire, uh, new theme song, obviously. And the audience is red hot before the, they even touch. Uh, I was not surprised at all that this was going to be the match. Everyone was going to sink their teeth. into.
0: Can we talk about how, how much Dustin Rhodes' new music sounds like
2: Brain Stew by Green Day? It is Brain Stew by uh, Green Day. By
0: like, but off by one note,
2: but it was like, it sounds exactly like it. So... They start brawling on the floor. Cody hits a suicide dive. Dustin with a senton off the apron. And then Brandy throws water at Dustin. And Cody gets the advantage. Dustin sets up Cody in the corner for the uh, the running kick to the balls. But Cody removes the turnbuckle padding and throws it at Dustin. And is able to throw Dustin into the exposed turnbuckle. And Dustin gets busted open. And when I say busted open, oh I mean, there must have been a spike coming out of this corner that pierced his forehead and hit a vein or two. Um, on the floor, Brandy speared Dustin, which led to Earl Hebner ejecting her and DDP coming out to remove Brandy. Now, I uh, I had not seen the blood until Dustin got up from the spear so my immediate thought is, did Brandy spear him to cause this cut? And then we remember he went into the exposed buckle. But Dustin comes up, and there is blood. You can see the man is bleeding, and he starts leaking out of his head. The amount of blood that this man lost over the following 15, 16 minutes was grotesque. Yeah, it, it was
0: a blade job. Yeah, we, we know that.
2: Yeah, I'm, I was just right, saying, right. like, what were they were attributing to, it to. to. Yeah,
0: just to clarify. Yeah, is yes. anyway, it would this. Uh, for, uh, initially, like, you know, you and I were watching, and we were thinking, oh, you know, it's too bad that that he chose red for his for his for his face paint <laughs> color because it kind of took away from the blade job. It just kind of made it look all like, white would have been a tremendous new outfit for him. Sure, you're um, <laughs> right. Yes, but like you know, the, it, it just kind of made it look like he had a full red face. However, on those close up oh, shots, God. when he when you can see like the leak of blood that and this was going on like several minutes into like the blade job.
2: Um, this there's was, a lot. There's a lot of matches on this show that I'm sure it was even hotter live. But this was one I don't think you can appreciate unless you are watching at home in HD yeah. uh, for some of these close ups. Oh, Jesus. Like this to me, was like
0: it felt like an all time gusher
2: it was oh um my God. this it was like
0: uh, this this will be like what this show will be remembered for is dustin Rhodes' blade job
2: and again to me this was a way louder statement than uh, a sledgehammer with a sure. smoke-filled throne at the mm-hmm. front uh that to me um th- this match was all the statement of something completely different um It's just all Cody, destroying him. Dustin is bleeding so terribly. And again, as Way mentioned, the close-ups are just accentuating that. Cody takes off his weightlifting belt, and Dustin is able to grab it away from him. He pulls down Cody's tights and whips him on the bare ass. Dustin hits a superplex and a final cut for a near fall. Cody then kicks him low, hits the disaster kick, and a crossroads, and Dustin kicks out. So Cody lifts up his brother, hits Din's fire, the vertebreaker, and a second crossroads and pins his brother. 22 minutes, 28 seconds. This match was phenomenal. Um, yeah. A lot of people are saying the best of Cody's career. Um, it's probably like this, the Aldous match. And I would say those two are ahead of the, the Kota Bushi match from last year's Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. Uh, those would be the two. And this, you, you this gotta, is probably number one. You got to think about the context as well when
0: it comes to this. Because like I think so crowd... Matter so much for something like this, and this was both those crowds—the oldest, oldest crowd, and this crowd—they were hometown crowds for Cody. It was a crowd that I think is is more suited to his style of match, and it's amazing to me now, two shows in, that Cody, in my opinion, has stolen the show from the likes of the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega through his style of wrestling, which is not spectacular, but more so accentuating story, psychology, I suppose, if you want to even call it that. Um, but to me old school american wrestling is kind of what he's he he really is kind of making his name on and in the all this match he he managed to do that and and route this crowd up incredibly through his build up and this match too it's it to me it was amazing the amount of granted like they already had had already years of build up through the WWE and the fact that they're brothers but like for this particular match they only had two promos each that really did it it was the dustin video and then it was the cody video and look at the reaction that they got like ro- all this versus Cody, they had a whole series attached to it. So I, I can understand that a little bit better. But this was just like two sets of promos. And again, an all-time gusher from Dustin Rhodes that sucked everybody in the arena in. Uh, everybody watching, maybe even more so. So if their intent was to let the world net, that know that AEW allows blood, um,
2: this match certainly achieved that. Blood is allowed in AEW, everybody. <laughs> It very much was. And yeah, this was, it was a phenomenal, phenomenal match. And then the post match was uh, something else. So Cody leaves, but then he returns to the ring. The crowd is chanting, Thank you, Dustin. And Cody said, You don't get to retire here. He said he asked, uh, he, he signed his agreement for next, uh, for July, for the Fight for the Fallen show, where he gets a partner of his choosing to face the young bucks and he tells dustin i don't need a partner i don't need a friend i need my older brother and the two hug together with like a shaky voice as he says this brother. was like totally like just playing off of the very famous promo with dusty and dustin when they come together to team up in wcw uh this was a direct play off of that mm. and the crowd just as as emotional as the match was, the post-match just put it that much higher. It was a beautiful end. Yeah. I knew, I felt it was going to end with the hug, but didn't know the circumstances. And here we set up a tag match, a big tag match that'll feel big for July. And obviously Dustin sticking around. This was this was tremendous from start to finish. Again,
0: like the emotional kind of like intensity of, of this whole thing that they managed to achieve in such a short amount of time uh between two promos and then the match and then a great post-match um you know delivery from Cody I thought was really amazing um this was the loudest this crowd was all evening and you talk about like Wrestlemania moments this certainly felt like a moment when two brothers hugged and then everybody just like popped as big as you know when Cody, Ibushi and Kenny Omega popped so I can't believe this is a match that WWE didn't do because You just look at the quality of both performers here. How good both of them are. Um, This is just great professional wrestling.
2: It was outstanding. Um,
0: Was this your match of the show? Uh, Emotionally, yes. Um, Yeah, it was my match of the show. Yes.
2: Then we uh, continued on and we had the follow-up to this. So the canvas, by the way, is completely destroyed it's got blood all over it and they end up replacing it before the next match. But to serve as our unofficial intermission, Bret Hart comes out to unveil the AEW world championship. And that in and of itself got a lot of people uh, buzzing that, that here is Bret Hart front and center on the AEW pay-per-view a month and a half removed from appearing at the WWE hall of fame. But uh, Bret Hart is out here Mm -hmm. and he brings out hangman page the hangman and Brett said that a world champion would be crowned next month on pay-per-view or in a couple of months or in a couple of months. So (laughs) probably I'm, I'm assuming all out is when they will do the title match. You would think. Don't know. I can't see it being in like Jacksonville or the fighter festival. I can't see it either. Yeah. Unless they want to hold it off till they're on TV maybe. Mm -hmm. So he's got hangman page out and then MJF interrupts. And he cuts this awesome promo about Hangman Page being the horse. And the horse cannot be the face of the company. He explains what happens to a horse when it has a bum leg. You go and you blow its brains out. And Page got a fluke victory earlier. He should relinquish the title. And he said, I am the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be, before holding up and saying, that catchphrase sucks. And he turns around and Jungle Boy has come out. And he calls Jungle Boy a prepubescent teenager and goes to leave when Jimmy Havoc shows up. And then they all gang up and attack MJF as Hart takes the championship belt out. A very heavy championship belt, it seems like. It looked rather heavy. And lifted it up.
0: Yeah, um... First of all, I just, I think MJF was awesome here. This, he to was me, outstanding. was the best spot for him on the show. A promo achieved more for him than any match would have. And not only to have him cut a promo, but to cut a promo in a segment involving Brett the Hitman Hart, I thought made him feel like a really big star. You know, the star uh, that that could go up against, I mean, a legend like Brett the Hitman Hart. I thought Paige came across pretty well as well. You know, he definitely has, like, the presence of, like, an ace in the making. And as somebody who is there to oppose MJF, I, I, thought, I thought he was great. Um,
2: but like, I, he's the long-term project. Yep. Um, and yep. you can see, like, he's got all the tools that where this guy will be in 18 months to two years. Yeah. Um, like, that's the guy they see. Yeah. Uh, I thought they went a, got a little too cute with, like, the Jimmy Havoc, Jungle
0: Boy stuff. I don't think they needed to have MJF get beaten up and then thrown into the crowd. Like, to me, that really achieved nothing. Um, But beyond that, I I thought the segment was great. I I only wish that Bret Hart had held the belt to the hard camera. And I know we make fun of the WWE all the time for all their hard camera emphasis. But, like, this was a great example of why you need some of those lessons. You need Brett somebody never
2: went to NXT. <laughs> I guess. Doesn't but, know where that hard, but you know, is. you
0: need, you need maybe a floor producer or something to just yell at Brett, like, give us a nice shot of this belt. Cause this was the thing that everybody wanted to see. But what do you think of the belt? I liked it. It looked nice. Looked really nice. It's got more of a classic kind of like tall plate look. Um, yeah, really certainly, you know, I, I don't think you'll be seeing the negativity that the 24 seven seven belt's been getting with this one.
2: The young bucks versus Pentagon junior and Ray Phoenix for the triple, ah, tag titles. Yeah, is that what they're supposed to be called? Well, that's how they have been calling them all weekend. Yeah. It's no longer triple. Like is that a thing? I've always heard Triple A. Like that's just how everyone's referred but to but it. But they're is. all so saying triple or whatever. That's what it was on this show, Triple A. Um, this was an outstanding match. Um, Nick Jackson and Phoenix, um, if I'm going to like everyone was solid in this match, but some of the sequences with Nick Jackson and Phoenix uh were breathtaking and they started it Right off on on the floor. Um, Phoenix did this Greco Roman knuckle lock onto Matt and then scaled to the top and ended up taking Nick down as well with a Hurricane Rana. Um, Matt was attacking, it was hit with leg kicks from Pentagon. And and Brandon from New Jersey is
0: telling us that's how you say A in Spanish. (laughs) Thanks, Brandon.
2: (laughs) I don't know if that's true or not, but okay. Um, The Bucks applied simultaneous sharpshooters onto both as they got to the ropes and then Nick hit a 450 splash off of the top after Phoenix was draped onto the middle rope and all four go down after the sequence of super kicks and Pentagon then hit Matt with a Canadian destroyer onto the edge of the apron that Matt looked like he died from. Phoenix followed with one to Nick inside of the ring for a near fall. And then Pentagon lifted up both with a simultaneous gory special package pile driver uh, with Nick kicking out of a Senton Atomico from Phoenix. Pentagon then kicked out of more bang for your buck. And... uh, Excalibur, this might have been his finest match of the night because yes. Yes. the Bucks are relying on their history. Mm-hmm. They're calling on moves from the Motor City Machine Guns, where uh, Nick Jackson did the 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 sign power, point to power, the hand,
0: right? Um, Powerbomb sure knew. Me.
2: Yeah, then you had a, a a reference to Kevin Steen and El Generico. So they're going back and hitting finishers from past rivals, and Excalibur was the perfect guy to be there to explain all of and get that story across i don't think there's
0: a single commentator in the world who would be able to make those references
2: yeah so it was it was tremendous and pentagon then snaps matt's arm and they didn't focus on this the whole match this was the final couple minutes where matt's arm gets snapped and pentagon hits the pentagon driver huge near fall phoenix comes in he kicks at matt's uh, theoretically broken arm uh we'll see if he sells it as a broken arm and then Phoenix gets caught by Matt with one arm. He can only hold him with the good arm as Nick hits the Meltzer driver. And after all these rivals, it's Dave Meltzer that these two have to rely upon to get the win at 24 minutes, 56 seconds to retain the triple A tag titles. Um, We didn't get the new finisher. I don't know if we had missed it. You know, like they certainly didn't call it out in commentary. but They didn't hit anything that was sold as we've never seen that before. Yeah. They went back to their history. They went right. back to moves that they had. Ha- maybe it was a one armed melter driver <laughs> that was supposed. Maybe to Matt's had a broken arm all these all these months. <laughs> You're um, right. You're like I, don't... I thought, maybe it was just something that they didn't see fitting, or just they've they've kept dang i don't know to me it was at least not
0: clear enough for for it to be significant um so you're right we didn't at least i i don't think we saw
2: it yeah i i think this uh, listen the the story of cody and dustin is probably going to be most people's match of the night but this uh this was number two for me yeah um this in ring like you you like this was 25 minutes of excellent excellent tag wrestling and i i thought that uh uh yeah this
0: was a great match i think it's it's sort of been the appeal of like both all in and this show is that you know and and even the elite themselves is that like they all kind of bring a particular style to the table if you're a fan of like vast exciting tag team wrestling you get that with the bucks if you want kind of your epic new japan style main event you have that with kenny if you like american wrestling that's
2: cody that was this show this show was such a wide variety of professional wrestling that it was like th- this was like an easy, easy thumbs up show before oh, yeah. the main event. You know, this I
0: thought this was a hell of a match. It, it, it delivered exactly what you wanted from these two particular teams fast, full of like incredible athletic acrobatic feats. And I think all in all, like and there was there was absolutely like uh, a solid story in this, too absolutely yes i mean that's something that, that i think like the Bucks have really shown over the past like era of the bucks is that they they have great psychology and it worked into this finish here with matt jackson i i i think you know these guys like are having these types of matches everywhere but it felt special here because this was on probably the biggest stage that they've ever done a match like this in uh, at least in north yeah i would i would even include like wrestle kingdom actually mm-hmm. um and then you know, it was in their own promotion. So this, to me, felt like a preview of what,
2: what's, what you can expect in AEW's tag team division. So, And then it was time for the main event. Um, you're right. Like, there was no... In between... It was, like, one match to the next. There was no backstage stuff. Like, there was no dead time here. And they timed this out really well. It was probably just after 11 Eastern when we got to the main event. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, no issues like uh, last time. No, no. There were no problems. There was no racing against the clock. So... Chris Jericho had this entrance where the lights go out and we had three different stand-ins representing the past versions of Chris Jericho. We had the Lionheart version. We had the list of Jericho. And then we had the one with the light-up jacket before Jericho himself came out in his latest attire and everything. And uh, I don't know if it was everyone's like favorite entrance, but I like this kind of thinking to do entrances that are a little different than just always coming out you know they do it every year for wrestlemania the specialized entrances for your big stars but i like when you toy around especially with the bigger stars doesn't have to be up and down the card but doing doing little things adding production elements to make an entrance different
0: i think you almost have to for for your main event but yeah even for like your your semi-main something special for the people to to make the main eventers feel special in fact jericho mentions how for all the WrestleManias he's, uh, he mentioned this on his podcast this week. He for all the WrestleManias he's wrestled, he never had his own special entrance. He was always the heel, so he never got that like come down a zip line or have his own motorcycle or anything. So this was kind of like the first one that he had.
2: Uh, what did you think about Kenny Omega's new theme music?
0: I couldn't hear it that well, to be honest. Um, so I'll, I'll have to kind of reserve my judgment.
2: It sounded like a cool little like instrumental theme okay so yeah I, I didn't get a great listen to it either um, had his like his his hair was like dyed purple um, had like new tights kind of had like an updated new look for this yeah. um, new version of himself uh, they fought on the floor at the beginning first of all <laughs> There's this Cracker oh Barrel. Oh my God! Yeah, the fucking Cracker Barrel. There's
0: the same, the same Cracker Barrel that we saw in All In, the one that uh, Hangman Page jumped over. This is obviously Arial like spot. a product
2: placement oh, yeah. deal for the main event that they had there, and Paul Turner is trying to get it out. Jericho, like it's very obvious where Jericho just does not have time for this bullshit, and he just wants this thing out of there. And he goes, and you can see he's getting ready to lift this thing and throw it onto the floor. And he is not lifting this thing. And he just like... He then, lifted it though. No, the, He got it through the rope. it pro- so was, was not like clean clean and
0: jerky. Tur- Turner was trying to get it through the bottom rope. And this thing was not fitting through the bottom rope. Jericho was like, you stupid idiot. Put it through the first and second ropes. And that's what he did. So he did it himself. Now I... Again, I'm putting my conspiracy hat on again. I don't know if this was... Uh, probably improvised. But if it wasn't... Hell of a... I, a way to bring attention to Cracker Barrel.
2: Oh, well, maybe maybe if they're thinking at that level. I just thought Jericho was annoyed and wanted the match to begin. I'm, so, just, I'm feeling hungry all of a sudden. Man, imagine if they had left Dean Ambrose in that thing for the whole match. Wow. Uh, they fought on the floor. Jericho rang the bell and put his arms in the air, which actually got a bit of a pop, which uh, was funny. Jericho took the camera, and this way as a as a... As a production nut here, I know this drove you nuts. So he takes the camera and it's designed for this spot for Omega to spit water into the lens. They're not on Jericho's shot when they spit the water. Yeah, yeah. Um... You know, like he would, he did this all
0: throughout his uh, New Japan run as well. He would kind of fuck around with the, like, it's funny how, like, in, I guess it was, it was not a part of his character in the WWE, but he, he did never did this stuff in the WWE here. It, like, in New Japan, in this current iteration, he just, like, does things to mess, mess around with, like, the ring bell and also the, the camera. It was, again, sort of a, an unfortunate thing that the camera didn't catch the, the water spit. Um, And again, it's like one of those things that if it were to happen in the WWE, they would rehearse the hell out of it to the point where it almost seemed too staged. Um, But this,
2: you know, probably not staged enough. So you kind of have to find that happy medium. I think in terms of being his character, I think there's few right now at the level of Chris Jericho. Oh, yeah. I think him in this heel role, like he is this guy for the the second he walks out till the moment this match is done like he is this guy he is he is the guy trying to leave that Vancouver parking lot do your fucking job chris jericho yeah. he is that guy the second he walks out as this character yeah i think he's great i do
0: i i do feel like this character works so much better in japan though cuz everybody around he him Uh, or the young lions there that he can also attack. To me, like, he is such a contrast to, like, what you would typically see in Japan. Like, to me, he feels shocking in
2: in a Japanese audience, whereas, like, in America, he just kind of feels like, oh, he's a wrestler. Uh, Jericho stops at one point to give the middle finger to the audience and seems to, like, lock eyes with some fan and challenges him to come into the ring where he will punch him. Uh, And then, I don't know where the moment was that Omega's nose gets busted open and apparently broke it. He broke it. That's what that's what Cody said apparently. Cody after. apparently said to the live crowd after that Omega broke his nose. Mm-hmm. Um, Jericho then brought out a table, and this looked like a heavy duty table. This did not look like uh, a, a thin wood one. It
0: looked different from your usual tables in AEW. Like they have, it wasn't quite a Japanese table, but it will also wasn't quite your typical brown American tables yeah. either.
2: And we only had we had two table spots on the show. We had uh, Janela taking that choke slam on the pre-show, and this. Mm-hmm. So. Jericho brings out the table on the floor and he's holding it. It's kind of shielding him. And Omega dives over with a topic on hero taking landing on the table, which Jericho lets go of. So Omega comes down back first onto the table, onto the metal ramp and Jericho's arm looks like it gets smashed coming down as well. And he's selling this arm, tremendously well to the point that you're wondering did he really smash his elbow here because it looked like he did and then omega regains his his footing and hits a springboard double foot stomp onto the table on the floor so this table looked like an absolute bitch to deal with i, I didn't quite hear whether or
0: not he actually did this but excalibur i believe said that omega said i am the table
2: he did say that yes okay Um, Omega then landed a B trigger to the back of the head into the corner. Jericho came back. He attempted a lion salt and landed on the knees of Omega. Jericho then dumped Omega, hit the lion salt onto Omega's back, but it was a bad landing. So Jericho went and hit a second one and, uh, they continued fighting. Omega took a back body drop over the top onto the table, which broke the table. Omega stopped a superplex, dove off of the top, and landed in a code breaker. Omega kicked out of the code breaker. Jericho then blocked a V trigger, applied the walls, and Omega was able to kick his way out, hit a V trigger, and he goes for the one winged angel. And Jericho was going to block it and turn it into a DDT, but they couldn't hit the DDT. And it was just, it wasn't smooth. And they didn't go immediately back to it. Like they did several other transitions, but it was obvious. The fact that you could see them going back to it, you knew it was important to the match because mm-hmm. I think Jericho is, and Omega too, like they know just scrap it if if it wasn't essential. And it obviously was essential here. So they go back to it. Jericho is able to turn it into the DDT. And then as Omega is stunned, he takes the Judas effect. And once he hit that move... Everyone knew Omega's losing this match. There's no way Omega's kicking out of the new move, and that's what happened. Twenty six minutes and thirty five seconds. Chris Jericho wins. I thought there was there would be a chance that he would kick out.
0: You know, I didn't think so. Uh, they've often done done the thing where like they build up to a new move only for like a near fall. But you know, I, I was also curious to see. Like I was, you you didn't think Jericho would win? No, I didn't. So Omega's winning this one. You know, so I I mean I I think to some people it was it must have been a surprising finish.
2: Yeah, I think it makes the Okada match even more interesting now. Definitely. And also Jericho being set up now f- to take on Hangman Page for AEW's world title. I would Yeah. Um I I like that match. I mean This is a very interesting political deal because yeah. you go from either like I think everyone assumes Okada retains. You can't say hundred percent. Thing is, Jericho isn't the
0: champion yet. So he could afford a loss to Okada, and it's not like your champion lost to, to Okada,
2: right? But he's challenging for the belt. Later on, I mean, let I I wouldn't doubt like AEW, maybe they're not thrilled that their guys going to do New Japan, but that's the deal. That's the deal they allowed for him to do. So, yeah. as a um, match itself, not as good as their Wrestle Kingdom match. No, it 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 had some some bumps it, throughout the match, but I still thought this was a like a really really good main event. Um, it was very
0: good. Um, I, I I'll t- I'll tell you though I. At least I felt like the crowd's energy, like, wane a little bit. Did it feel like that to you?
2: Mm, I I, I didn't think it... I thought the crowd was pretty into this throughout. Hmm. I mean, it was a long match. It was 26 and a half minutes. Um, I I thought, like, this was one where even when they they messed up the... Like, they really had the intensity factor that I I think gives you a lot of leeway. That, you know, a, a, a spot screws up, it's not the end of the world, and it actually contributes to the story. Um, especially knowing about the broken nose. Yeah. We learn after, well, we didn't hear on the broadcast. It was announced to the live crowd. Cody Cody said that he wrestled like half this match with the broken nose or something like that. Um, but then after the match, Jericho then gets onto the microphone. He says it's his time now. And he is AEW. He said that this is not a company for the fans. It's a company for him. And he took credit for the television deal and selling out the arena. And he demands a thank you. And that's what he wants—a thank you. And out from the crowd comes John Moxley. He comes down; everyone's going nuts. And he comes in, and he hits the former Dirty Deeds onto Jericho, as well as referee Paul Turner. And everyone's thinking, "Oh, does this mean Jericho and John Moxley are going to resume their feud?" Is Mitch the potted plant far behind? It is not. It is not going to be that because then Moxley eyes Kenny Omega lifts him up and he goes to hit him with the dirty deeds, but Omega fights back and they brawl to the floor. They brawl up to the stage and they had as part of the set, a stack of poker chips that they get on top of and Moxley hits the double arm DDT and then a death Valley driver sending Omega off the poker chips onto the set to end the show Red hot. This crowd is electric that Moxley is here. You have set up Jericho and Page. You've set up Omega and Moxley. Um, plus, you have now Cody and Dustin are going to take on the Bucks in July. You set up a ton of stuff coming out of this. Uh, I, I thought this was a home run show. I thought it was a really, really great show. I thought it was a great show. I mean, I can't necessarily call
0: it a home run uh, in between technical aspects and maybe
2: other things. But I think, though— if it you, was not without fault, but with what was designed to be achieved. Um, if the I, go- I thought this was one of the better shows this year. If the goal was to like make a statement
0: and to say like, "Hey, like we're you know we're a, a legitimate competition, uh rival company here uh, with better wrestling," uh, I definitely think that they achieved that. So this was a great show.
2: Yeah, definitely definite thumbs up for me. Um, some other notes here is that. Uh, Tony Khan has stated that uh, Moxley is full-time with them, but he is open to uh, Moxley doing international dates as well. So that's one announcement. Um, AEW confirmed tonight that it has officially signed Moxley to a full-time multi-year agreement, effective immediately. Moxley, who was twice voted as most popular wrestler of the year by PWI, will make his in-ring debut at Fighter Fest on June 29th. Cool. Phone lines are open,
0: everybody. one Long distance charges may apply, but if you Skype us, search for post-wrestling, you probably won't have to pay a thing. So if you want to get your thoughts in, a lot of you guys are still in the chat room right now watching us live. So uh, let us know what you guys thought of AEW, double or nothing. Let's go to the feedback on the uh, forum right now to start off. And uh, a lot of votes, like, so, I mean, substantial amount of votes compared to like our, our typical reviews. So that you know, at least gives you a gauge of maybe the interest of the show out of one to 20. What do you think the board voted? 18. 16.9. Okay. Yeah. Um, 18 would be really high. It'd be nine out of 10, but this is, a I'd six. give this
2: show like a 17.
0: Yeah. Okay. 16.9. We go to our first phone call, uh, and joining us is Bruce. How's it going, Bruce?
4: Hey, how's it going?
0: Very well. What'd you think of uh double or nothing?
4: I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, the friends that I watched it with, and I just found it really refreshing to be, I don't know, watching a show that was so wrestling-focused, that had so much variety on it. Uh, it seemed to just demonstrate a lot of excitement and passion uh, for the uh, amongst the wrestlers. And You factor that in with the hot crowd, the incredible and super emotional storytelling that I thought the uh, Odin Dustin, match put forward. And yeah, I mean, I, I I have to go along with John and sort of say that it felt like a real home run to me. This is a show, a product that I'm really, really invested in and interested in continuing to, to keep watching for the time being.
2: I, I think that anyone that if you were sampling this show, you left it, I think it left you really invigorated to see the TV show. Uh, obviously, this is not the kind of show you can do every week on TV. The TV will be very different. But in terms of just Especially at this time where I think that people are desperate for uh, looking for different things. This was the kind of show that I'm sure grabbed a lot of people tonight that maybe were sampling it for the first time.
4: Absolutely. Um, Just for whatever it's worth as well, uh, the partner of one of my friends that uh, was just kind of sitting in with us, she often kind of watches the wrestling with us and sometimes likes it, sometimes doesn't, but she had an absolute blast with this one. She thought that this was the most fun and entertaining, fast-moving, and varied show that she'd ever seen. She's actually interested in tracking it and seeing sort of what happens next and where some of these people that, you know, she's just seeing for the first time, where they go. And, you know, and we're not talking about a lapsed fan here. We're talking about somebody with essentially no contact with wrestling previous to this so you know i mean it's a small sample size of course but i have to think that bodes well in terms of the potential for aew to start reaching a wider audience
0: for for that particular fan did you uh, ask her what her favorite match might have been
4: i think for her it was the the dustin cody match i didn't officially uh ask her uh, as such but she was very interested in all three of them you know i think for the obvious the very different sorts of stories that each of them was telling, right? The the, the family emotional story, a very you know, intense, high flying physical uh match, and then the sort of more like grueling, drawn out, uh sort of endurance test, uh, that
0: the last one was. Awesome. Awesome. And how about you? What was your favorite match of the night?
4: Uh i mean like you know to be like really nerdy and analytical about it i think i you know gave the highest ranking uh on grapple or whatever uh to the to the bucks um lucha brothers match but i mean I, I like you're sort of saying i think like that that scene of you know dustin bloodied you know cody's you know his blood just kind of almost almost cody and cody's hair at the end and then the two of them embracing like that's you know you can't write or paint a better image or wrestling story than that you know it's a story that writes itself it's a story that was on the table for the wwe to pick up and theoretically do anything with years ago and they didn't they left it on the table uh you know it 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 built steam it gained momentum uh and you know it finally finally paid off and that's definitely a match and a story and an image that i'm going to be holding with me for a long time
0: thank you so much for the uh, feedback bruce we're gonna um uh, uh let some other people get on the line but uh thanks for thanks for your thoughts
4: no problem, guys. Thanks for the
0: Okay. Uh, a lot of feedback on the board, if we can kind of get through it all. Phone lines are, st- are still open. We will uh, put some priority towards phone calls. So, uh, Let's go to uh, one right now, actually. Caller, hello. Welcome to uh, the Post Wrestling Cafe. What's up?
2: Oh, my God. Okay, sorry. I was looking at the feedback. Hey,
5: there. it's MJ from NJ. What's up, guys?
2: Hey, MJ. MJ, what would you think of the show?
5: I really enjoyed it. Um... I wanted to just briefly, the the pre-show, did you guys feel like you were watching BTE, um, but like flicked up for television, like a a TV show?
0: Like the little bits at the end that they did, like with uh, uh, Matt meeting Michael Nakazawa?
5: Yeah, that, Cody showing up with FTR, which was like obviously a bit, and then kind of they ran the uh, intro to the actual show. I would love to see that be like the new BTE on TNT when they go there, and that's part of like the weekly TV. It's really what... Yeah,
0: sorry, sorry to cut you off, but it's really what's so fast fascinating about you know knowing how they will transition between the tone of BTE to something that's more for mass consumption on, on TNT. How do you kind of go from the, the the niche humor that we've seen for an audience that you know understands all these little references to something that will potentially share the same stage as the NBA uh, finals?
2: Yeah, and also not, not divorce yourself from what what has built this up as well and not just mm-hmm. say, Hey, this is, you know, this was a big part of our popularity. And I mean, this is all about finding out what is, what is the ceiling of this, this fan base?
5: I felt like I was watching a saved by the bell episode. They were walking backstage. It felt like walking in the cla- in the hallways. I think it has crossover appeal, especially if you're like, look at success of total divas or the Miz show, the reality TV aspect of pro wrestling uh, has caught on. And this could be used something similar to foster like real storytelling. What was your match of the night? Uh, Match of the night with Cody. That's his match of his career. I don't think I ever thought I'd see like a Cody match that intense, that dramatic. Um, I think at one point a Canadian destroyer was hit. So the fact that Cody was in a match with the Canadian destroyer was awesome. I think it was
0: code red, yeah,
5: and uh, really just blew me away as far as exceeding expectations.
0: Cool, thanks, MJ. Any other uh, thoughts?
5: Um, I, there's going to be production issues here and there. I think it like obviously stands out more now that they're this is real. This isn't all in where it's like kind of we're just all happy to be there. So uh, they should be rightfully nitpicked for that. Um, way I thought a lot. Similarly, like you did with the, the nod to Attitude error and the Triple H thing, uh, what Cody did on his entrance. Um, if WWE responds, and I think they're trying to bait them to, mm. WWE looks a lot worse for being petty than AEW does at the moment, and it can only help AEW. Um, and I think they are trying to antagonize them. Uh, I mean, even like using the STR. I mean, that's on the Revival's trunks right now. It's clearly a direct, like, we see you type thing. Thanks for the call, MJ. Talk to
0: you guys soon. All righty. Do you want to go to our first piece of feedback?
2: Yeah, let's go to the forum here. From Sonata. The future is bright. I found this to be a really excellent show. Matches given time. Commentary that focuses on the matches. Hot crowd and a real big fight feel. Nothing felt phoned in. I'm particularly really impressed with the six-woman tag, Guevara uh, Kipsabian, the four-way, and the SCU Stronghearts. All great matches that made me want to see more from them. Excalibur was a great lead commentator, too. Added so much with his knowledge of the wrestlers and the history of the matches. That said, while Cody Dustin was fine, I wish we could have, we could leave such heavy blade jobs in the past. I really don't want to see it. Young Bucks and Lucha Brothers was ridiculously good. I don't even know where to go. Loved Omega Jericho. Both are great big match wrestlers, and it showed kind of shows you know like like
0: what what a lot of people to me like what i'm personally applauding you know the blade job which is spectacular it might not be everybody's cup of tea other people like sonata in here it was sort of like a negative point of the show
2: yeah it's um I think, that, I think that's going to be a turnoff to some people. Absolutely. We go to Ben Uday, who says, Overall, an absolutely
0: fantastic show. A long night of wrestling that didn't feel like it dragged at all. Genuinely impressive performance. Production and camera work was the only letdown. Felt like so much was missed by dodgy camera work. Also, Saturday night pay-per-views are fantastic for the UK. When you're going to bed at 5 a.m. on a Sunday morning, it's a lot easier than before work on the Monday. Hansi is on the line. Hansi, what did you think of the show?
6: Uh, I thought it was amazing. I, I enjoyed it from top to bottom. I know it, still, it had some issues, you know what I mean? It wasn't, like, absolutely perfect, but I thought, you know, for, you know, a first pay-per-view from, uh, official, official pay-per-view from, from from a company, other than WWE, I thought this was, like, actually really amazing. I, I thought it, I was actually expecting more, like, you know, production uh, errors. Mm-hmm. Like you know, when when ROH started ROH started doing their pay-per-views, uh, you know, on on whatever streaming service they had prior, uh, I I used to think that like, you know they need to step it up. So I was like I was expecting th- that level of production errors, but I, I really enjoyed all of it. Uh, I say Dustin and uh Cody Rhodes was probably uh my favorite maybe because it was the blood uh I did like the bucks and uh um, Luther brothers I did I like the uh, Aja, Aja Kong uh, match mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I I'm on a Japanese I like, I'm not as familiar with Japanese wrestlers but she stands out because she was part of one of like one of the better matches in '95 Survivor Series with the, with lundra Blaze and all of them, mm-hmm. and I I always I always dug her like I always thought that you know she should have been more a part of the WWE back then, but th- that was basically it. And uh, uh, I was I was wondering do, is it, do you do you guys suspect that it will be uh, uh, Ambrose ver- I was sorry Moxley versus uh, Kenny Omega at the next pay per view then I guess is, is that.
2: Where they're probably gonna head then, I guess. Well, they've already announced it's Kenny Omega and Shima at a Fighter Festival, haven't they? Or is that on the uh or is that the I believe is that a tag or is that a singles? Here. Omega and Shima are doing a singles match. I just okay. don't know if it's June 29th or in July. Yeah, I can I can actually show. look that up right now. Um so right now
0: Fighter Fest looks like it's uh Jebele versus Michael Nakazawa, of course. And then we also have uh, Cody versus Darby Allen, and then the Elite, which is Kenny Omega, Matt, and Nick. Versus Pac and the Lucha Brothers. So, okay, Pac and the Lucha... Well, that could be changed. That could be changed, yeah. yep. And then we also have a Fight for the Fallen, which right now has Kenny Omega versus Shima, and then Brandy versus Ali, and then Cody and Dustin versus the Bucks.
2: Yeah, so I guess if you are taking Pac out of that match and Omega, I guess it's possible you could do Moxley and Omega June 29th. Um, but they haven't announced that officially.
6: So, okay, so I, I thought the next pay-per-view was going to be... Uh, at All Out, like, uh, for the uh, uh, August, right? It's their next so big they're, they're... show, but, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. They well, haven't so...
2: officially announced that Fighter Festival is going to be... That'll
0: probably be, like, the CEO show, which means it will probably be free. That's my thinking, but who
2: knows? That they seems strange it. that they'd make that free. Like, it's a show you could easily sell.
3: Our... It's, it's well, a thank CEO, you, guys. So.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Andy. All
0: right.
3: Yeah,
2: no yeah. Yeah, who knows what, what, what kind of sort of deals that they might have. Um, but, well, especially now with Bleacher Report Live, like they have this deal, like you would think like that's a show they would want on there, but it might not even be under their control. Like if it's Kenny's deal with CEO, he's helping them put on a show. Right? Well, we'll find out. Uh, David from Israel. I really enjoyed the show tonight. I actually stayed awake all night to watch it since it started at 2 a.m. local time, which is really rare for me. I thought most of the presentation was pretty good, although it was maybe too much WWE-like, and I would like to see them try to be a little more different. But my two main gripes were the constant camera cuts that were both unpleasant and actually led to the missing key spots in matches, and secondly, Alex Marvez. I thought he was quite bad and took away from some of the matches. I would much rather have JR and Excalibur calling the matches from now on. In hindsight, can you explain the rationale between WWE giving Ambrose such a grand exit from the company? doesn't seem like them to give someone such a relatively respectful departure if they assumed he would be going there. Well, for
0: one thing, I think they weren't... I think for a long time they wanted to make sure he didn't go. Secondly, like, his wife works there. You know, like, if you really kind of piss the guy off, like, while your wife is is one of your lead commentators on the show, how, how would that make her feel? And I... I mean, I ultimately feel like they they respect him enough to want to work with him again someday.
2: And they they also benefited, I think, by, you know, being able to do that network special. It's like, okay, the guy's leaving. So yeah, yeah we could have this guy just lose on the way out in all these undercard matches. He actually did lose pretty
0: much all the matches. He did
2: lose and but... they did it in a prominent way. So they tried to get new guys over and uh, you know, and they they were they, they let let him go in a kind of classy way at the end he got like a little farewell yeah it is unlike them uh but there's no there's no knowledge that they would have even known where he was going potentially let's go to the phone calls
0: uh uh, caller here on the line hey what's going on oh my god what did you think of the show brandon
7: (laughs) uh you know what that's how you say a in spanish what do you think i am israeli
0: um okay (laughs) never mind what did you think of the show brandon
7: uh (laughs) i i thought it was cool man uh the cody and uh and dustin match was awesome man i was just pure theater up until you know the end with the hug and the brotherly love i thought it was i got a little uh misty eye at at that i got a little for clemp uh yeah you (laughs) must have had a similar
0: situation where you're hugging your brother after a face full of blood match
7: uh, well, I mean, when I broke my brother's ankle when we were playing basketball, I hugged him after we went to the hospital. So, because I felt bad. That.
0: That's very yeah. So yeah, that.
3: I know. Thank
7: you. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Uh, and uh, I, I got a couple of meanders. Real quick, I'll get out of here. Uh, sure. That throwing that, that Cody destroyed was like a, a cake for Triple H's 50th birthday party that AEW had planned uh, for next year. What do you think about that?
0: And uh, wow. <laughs>
7: separate my bird jimmy havoc and charlie cox from daredevil and uh
0: sure okay. and uh i see that and,
7: and what do you what do you think let, let next, me just say or, these uh,
0: meanderings are not nearly as fun when you're reading them to us as it is when we're reading them out it's loud.
7: funnier when john reads them because yes. he, he uh he he really is into into the meander i love the meander when you do it when you do it you could feel the anger and the
2: venom. <laughs>
0: Everyone in the room feels it, Brandon. Yeah. Okay. You have one. You have another one. One more.
7: No, I'm 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 all gassed out, man. I uh, I love you guys. And uh, uh, what's next for? Uh, I mean, what's next for AEW? Period. After I don't count Player Festas as the show. I mean, I guess the next All In and then TV. Like, where do they, where do they go from there? And it's going to be hard for wwe talent to escape now after that moxley
2: debut right because mm-hmm. uh, it's-, <laughs> it, it, it's a great point it's yeah. a great point that you bring up Brandon. An actually great point <laughs> and what Brandon. do you mean actually brandon's oh. always got great points but if you are a talent uh, like let's go with the premise that the wwe uh when ambrose left that they weren't sure i would imagine that you know they who knows who knows what they knew and when but I think they're going to be ex- the chances of any talent getting their release now is probably zero.
7: Hmm. I I just can't wait for a rewind uh, Tuesday night dynamite.
0: We can. <laughs>
7: I, I love you guys. Oh, I'm man. out here. Please.
0: Thanks, Brandon. Oh man, a solid call from Brandon. Yeah, I'm like I'm I'm kind of dreading it, but I I honestly I am looking forward to it as well. You know, I'm really looking
2: forward to like. A different product that we'll we'll be covering week to week. I'm I'm fine doing Tuesday nights. It's uh it's the, it's the uh staying uh, staying up Friday nights. What oh, or... Saturdays? What oh, Saturday? Every oh, Saturday gosh. night. I don't know. We're we're really gonna have to have a, a come to Jesus meeting okay. with ourselves. Hey Daniel, you're on the line. What's up? Hey
0: guys, how's it going? Very well.
2: I I just want to call. It's the first time I've ever got
1: to give feedback because I'm in Australia and often uh, every wow. show's on a Monday.
0: What time is it?
1: Uh, it's nearly four o'clock in the afternoon.
2: Oh, wow. So this AEW show my worked out perfectly for you yeah, on a you know, Sunday Sunday morning into the afternoon. What a great time slot.
1: Oh, it's perfect for me. It's like the UFC. It just lines up perfectly every weekend.
2: Oh, I'm going to move to Australia. I'm going to go to Melbourne.
1: But I actually had to make my girlfriend go shopping early this morning so we'd be back in time.
2: Oh. Well, how did, how did so the I was, show? I just to... Yeah, go ahead. Your thoughts on the I just the show.
1: want to say I was generally super excited just to get to be available to see it live. And you know, interact with people and talk about it. And I was generally just pumped for the whole show.
0: Uh, like you know, judging from maybe your interactions, what were sort of the high points of the evening for you?
1: Uh, from what the Joshi match, everyone went crazy. Mm-hmm. That I spoke to about that, and uh, obviously, obviously the Cody and Dustin match, and it uh, obviously it reminded me a little bit of the Eddie Guerrero blade job. Yep, just a little bit, a little bit over the top, but it doesn't worry me. I'm a little bit desensitized to that kind of thing. <laughs> I, I, I don't have a great deal of points, but I just wanted to say that I really enjoyed the show. I thought it was it was really good, and I'm really pumped to see what comes up after it.
2: That seems to be the general sentiment. I think a lot of people are really happy with the show and what what ne- is next. And they gave you a lot of things on the on the menu that are next that would leave you not just a great self-contained show, but things you want to come back to see follow up and the continuation of a great deal of surprises.
0: You know, uh, big big announcements, including. John Moxley t-shirt that's
2: available Amazingly, right now. It, uh, He's already on pro wrestling tees with a new shirt that reads unscripted violence. Oh, boy. Mox. Mox. With a grenade oh, as D.O.
0: A that's a bit of lucky timing. Oh, yeah. Perfect timing. Yes. A lucky timing. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Daniel.
1: All right. Thanks for all you guys, did. Hey,
0: thank you. Uh, we didn't even mention it congratulations to the toronto raptors nba finals can you believe that john yeah it was a it was a it
2: was a mixed bag for fans of the bucks tonight oh my god it was amazing wow the raptors are going to the finals for the first time ever to uh probably lose to the golden state warriors but it's, you thought they were going to lose this one everybody thought they were going to lose to the bucks i don't think i made a prediction on this one because well, i i really didn't i the, didn't even
0: know if they were the favored. bucks had
2: the best record in the nba huh. What, what, what is your prediction for the finals I have no prediction I'm not a real sports fan are you kidding me I'll
0: say, I'll say warriors in six it's always the pessimist well how about you Jake you got a prediction for the Raptors
3: oh man you know what now that you mentioned it uh, I actually had two screens uh, set up for me watching both uh, <laughs> watching both a double or nothing and and the game as well so yeah I was I was popping for both uh, for both events and then uh, I hope yeah, I hope the rappers do well. So, <laughs> how are you guys doing?
0: Doing well. Doing well.
3: Yeah, doing great. So, I appreciate it. Um y- yeah, the the high point this was such a phenomenal show, um even though it was 5 hours. Uh it was 5 hours of variety and and yeah. diversity as well. The uh, the length
2: th- had no bearing on me at all tonight. It did I thought it was a show that went by very quick. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I agree as well. Uh, um, my favorite match of the night was the Bucks um, versus uh, Lucha, the Luchas Brothers. Uh, that was a fantastically um, fun match to watch, uh, really exciting. And I really popped hard for the Moxley debut. It, it really gave me vibes of um, uh, of Scott Hall um, uh, uh, in that one-night show when he came out of the crowd, really uh, really good uh, execution on that part. And I, I got to say, um, as far as uh, new up-and-coming stars, I— I am Yeah, I am really high on MJF. Uh, he, I, I already liked him because I, I watched occasionally um, MLW Fusion as well, and I already liked him on that. But tonight he really shined a, a great spotlight, and he really executed that promo well. And I think he has the potential to be uh, in uh, an amazing heel, uh, hopefully in the near future.
2: Yeah, I think he's going to be, I think, a big standout once the television show hits especially, that he could be uh, a great breakout star for them uh, with that personality and he i think he had a great showing tonight a great usage of bret hart in that segment his stage presence was incredible uh it felt like a real natural when he was out there and the guy's 23 yeah. um tremendous talent
3: oh man he is so young oh yeah so just looking forward to that so yeah really got yeah the phenomenal show uh i i would say a perfect 20 uh, for me and i'm really excited uh really got me uh in, intriguing and excited for uh for the TNT uh, weekly show. So yeah, so that's all I have guys. Uh, and uh, once again, go Raptors. We, the North, holy kawaii. And I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> Thanks
2: a lot. Thanks, Jake. Jake. Oh all God. right. Uh, should we go back to feedback here? There is sure. a lot here. Um, the calls keep coming. Okay. Um, we will interrupt if we get calls. Yep. AJ from PA. What a fun show from start to finish. Really had fun seeing new faces and different movesets. Dustin and Cody stole the show with an instant classic, in my opinion. Loved Cody's entrance, and I think Triple H probably enjoyed it as well. Production was really great. Audio lighting and camera work was top-notch. I can do without the cuts to the single audience member, though. I like those. I like the cutaways. I like them,
0: too. I can I can understand maybe you know somebody being reminded too much of like the WWE uh, because
2: they've been doing that a whole lot. But I thought they were all really effective. I like the them in part. WWE, and I like them here. I yeah. think if you find someone in a genuine moment, I think they're great. Uh, Jr. and Excalibur make a fantastic team, but Malvez just doesn't belong on this largest stage. He sounds timid, looks awkward, and just seems to get in the way. I will say, like the panel looked really awkward anytime they cut back to them. Right, because the- it was almost as though they weren't being cued, and there was like yeah. a dead uh, second whether they weren't being cued properly or too early. Um, yeah, and that was consistent it was very consistent every time they cut back to, to them. So I'm sure like, these are
0: things that you wouldn't really have noticed otherwise, you know, like other than doing the show itself. So hopefully these are things that they they will answer. We go to, uh, Postmate, who says, Glenn, who says, let me start with the negatives. I had issues with buying the pay-per-view and ended up paying for it twice because the system was wonky. Haven't gotten the refund as of this posting. Alex Barbez and Jim Ross didn't add much to commentary. Awesome Kong and Pentagon Jr. had the exact same gear. Seriously, go look back at it. WH Park would agree that it's shit. Raptors beat my Bucks in six and I'm very upset. The positives, almost everything else. Wrestling was excellent. Storylines made sense. Cody Dustin made me feel vulnerable and a wrestling match has never done that before. Excalibur was the absolute MVP. All the surprises were awesome and
2: well-paced. 14 out of 20. I'm excited to see what's next. Next up is Dan. Very good show from start to finish. They have a lot to learn in terms of production, but this is a good starting point. The go-home angle was just tremendous. Moxley looked to be the most invigorated he's been in a long time, and I'm excited to see where this program with Omega goes. I do think critiques are fair, though, especially when it comes to the weapon shots to the head and their very obvious WWE issues. I don't want to see the shots to the head. It's 2019. We know the health risks, and it's honestly insane that these things were happening. Something I'd like to see AEW get on board with is training the referees to some degree to deal with injuries. Dustin's cut was nasty, and I feel like a WWE ref would have been all over it right away, which would have been good to see here. The shots at WWE feel second rate, and for a company that's trying to get over as the best wrestling, it's completely unnecessary. I think the idea of that match was to show
0: you that they weren't going to stop cuts from happening to tend to them. I mean, was this an extreme case where that you know perhaps needed looking at? perhaps you know who knows how much blood he actually intended to to get out, out of that cut but i think not having the referees deal with it was definitely their way of telling you that hey
2: like we're going to be a company that allows this. i'm curious what the fallout and uh, in, in reaction to the blood is because i think there's a certain and i i would say the majority of this audience watching the show loved it yeah but as they get bigger i think they'll be surprised at the amount of people that have grown up now on pretty much the last 11 years of the wwe blood is very rare it it's not completely gone but it's very rare it's never used dramatically no and that are now kind of turned off by that kind of thing yeah yeah
0: i i do feel like in 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 wrestling especially with the demographic that they're trying to chase the last wwe fan the old perhaps you know eh, older wwe fan i think you will it'll be a minority that'll that'll care that much about like the health concerns related to something like that
2: and will there be a and will there be an instance where uh, this was a concern you know, with, with the UFC was when mm-hmm. they're going on network television. Yeah, is there going to be a brand that doesn't want to see blood all over their logo? Yeah, we. You know, you mentioned the
0: the canvas. They changed the. They canvas. changed it immediately afterwards. And I wonder how much of that is
2: you know obviously due to sanitation issues. I would I would but... think that that should be done. Like there, sure. like honestly, we. We talk about blood when we go into the Nigel McGuinness documentaries and then, you know, at the same time you look at this and you marvel at, oh, blood's great. It's like, I'm very conflicted. I understand of it as a storytelling device, but also like I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of blood as, (laughs) you know, others are. Yeah. I wonder if, if any
0: of us would have expected that level of blade job, though. This was like like a of 10, you know? Yeah, well, oh. they did it early in the match, too. Yeah. So, yeah, it was the guy lost a lot of blood. <laughs> we got a Gerard who says, I gotta admit that they lost me during the build for this show, but in the end, it exceeded my expectations. The Joshi match and Cody versus dus- Dustin were the best matches on the show. I'm not a squeamish guy, and I watch big Japan death matches, but that shot of Dustin on his knees with the blood gushing was too much even for me. I Incredible performance from Dustin, and I'm happy that he will be wrestling more matches in AEW. My only quibbles is that, while I think Jericho vs. Omega was a good match, it went a little long and even lost the crowd towards the end, and the ending felt a little flat. I'm at, at least Jericho winning means he goes into his match with Okada, having won a big match, and defeating a former IWGP champion. Also, Moxley's run-in felt very much like something you would see on Raw. Thanks. Um... Yeah, it certainly helps Jericho. I guess our our question is, you know, does it help AEW to have him potentially lose to Okada? But maybe AEW doesn't really mind.
2: All right. The next one is Ken Ken from the Internet. What can I say? For our first show, this was great. An interesting take on a rumble, which progressed Hangman's story to become world champion. Great tag action all night. A solid couple of women's matches, which had even Bailey and Sasha commenting on them. A fantastic but disgusting match with Cody and Dustin. Seriously, it was a combination of Austin and Flair Blu blood jobs and an awesome main event capped off with moxley and omega abusing the hell out of poker chips it was pretty much everything i wanted even the jib camera shots were awesome the only thing i was iffy on was the judas effect i appreciate kenny sell on it but i just don't know yet 16 john pollux out of 20 weightings. i will say I, I think it's quite something that he managed to like
0: I, in my opinion let most of the audience know about this judas effect move only via yeah like his podcast right. um one clip like the preview show and that's really it. And I thought, you know, almost a lot. Of, I'm sure a lot of people were confused, but like the, I ended up finishing the match with it. So um, I, I thought he did a good job with all with all that. Um, we got a Ken Dell from Ken Dell from Ohio, who says good show overall. The Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks was my match of the night with Cody Dusty being number... Dustin being number two. Uh, good call with Jericho winning to even the series. Some work will be need to be done on getting the unknown new talent some exposure, and they have to get their YouTube content situation sorted out. 16 out of 20.
2: Mitchell from Auckland. Very solid show in my opinion. I thought Excalibur was great, and JR really started getting into it from the Dustin-Cody match onwards. As for Alex Marvez, I don't think he had a great night and wouldn't be against just a two-man booth. Cody and Dustin was easily my match of the night, a match that would have had Dusty filled with tears of joy with for the performance his two boys put on. Awesome to see Kong debut, and I absolutely love that we will be getting Jericho and Hangman going at it for the AEW title and the debuting Moxley feuding with Kenny Omega. 18 out of 20. We got
0: a Hagaki who says, "I've been to three WrestleManias and several WWE pay-per-views, and I can say that the crowd here in Vegas had more electricity in the air. I'm not sure how it came off on TV, but it was solid and didn't drag live. Women's six-way and Lucha Bucks stole the show. I'm very curious to hear more uh, for more live accounts of, of what the audience sounded like, because while I wouldn't, I while I wouldn't say like the audience sounded bad at any time during the sh- broadcast. Like I was there for All In, this did." Uh, except for Dustin and gold to me like this crowd there are a lot of times where this this didn't feel like it was on that level so i'm I'm curious how much of it is the production let's go to another phone call here uh caller you are on the line what's up
8: hi it's amad amad but what's up
0: uh not much
8: man i'm kind of tired how are you guys
0: um we're full of energy. Yeah. You kidding me.
8: Yeah, I don't I don't believe that for a second, but <laughs> it's it's nice to talk to you guys. Um I'm calling in because I had a real big problem with the battle royal. Let's hear it. I thought it was a really uh a kind of embarrassing way to start your promotion. I thought there were some good moments. I thought MJF was cool. And uh, General Boy and things like that, but I was watching it with a couple of people and they just felt kind of uncomfortable with some of the, the characters, specifically. Uh, I think his name is Dustin Thomas, yes, yeah, it was just, it struck a really weird tone that seemed uh, like the opposite of the tone of like what Tony Todd was talking about, the sort of like sports like presentation so i i didn't really like the way it started and i was kind of worried but mm-hmm. i do think the show the show overall went super super well and by the end of the show i did forget about it
0: i mean as far as yeah, that, that um, yeah as far as that goes i i certainly feel like the the aew kind of has to like flesh out where it is that they want to go because you're talking about a company very much built on again the tone of being the elite which is anything but sports like it's wild it's crazy it's fun you know and you have Kenny Omega who comes from a DDT background where that stuff is crazy as well I think you know the sports aspect of it seems to like what 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 Tony Khan's talking about is more maybe more so the idea that wins and losses matter how they're going to implement the score like point system I have no idea in pro wrestling
2: I I think that almost like too much is being put on that, that yes, he, he's got like the analytics background. And yes, there's going to be, I think, where possible stories that they can derive from numbers and such. But the idea that this thing is going to be all like binary and we're just going to have constant uh, numbers and records. I, I don't know how much it's going to like tonight. Tonight was, to me, your first show out. And it's not like they were... Hitting you over the head, and this person is now one and oh, and this person is now oh and one. I think they it's very much just getting back to uh, matches meaning something like. Jericho beating Kenny Omega wasn't just because, well, Omega won last time. Jericho's got to win this time. It's now 50-50. It's like, no, because we have a direct plan of Jericho is now moving towards the title. Kenny is now going off into this program with Moxley, and you're going to be rewarded for buying a pay-per-view and getting the blow-off to a particular match because now someone advances in their career, and someone is sidetracked because they lose, and that's something that they see a, a major hole in the market that they can they can fill that they can utilize. So, I mean, that that's one theory of looking at it. I, I think a lot is kind of being put on this becoming, um, so sports like and being tied that it's going to be something that is, you know, resembling pure sport. And I I don't think it's going to be, I think it's going to have tonight screamed variety
0: to me. I think that's a mistake that they're emphasizing it so often in their press releases and in, in interviews.
2: Yeah. Um, and a lot of that, too, is probably by design as well of like how they want to position themselves. But I, I think just by watching the program, um, you know, it's it's all theory at the at this point. I think until we get to the television show, we're not going to know exactly the identity of, of this company. We'll have a few shows to be able to judge it on by the time we get to the fall. But it's really going to be once they're several weeks into the TV show that you really get the tone and sense of how they're going to direct it. Any other thoughts, Ahmad, quickly?
8: Oh, yeah, just that um, the six-woman tag uh, with, like, Ajay Khan. I thought that match was, like, absolutely amazing, uh, especially with – I'm not even that familiar with Ajay Khan. I mean, I know who she is, obviously. But I thought that match just, like, really, really stood out and was a great showcase for all six women, and I think it did a great job.
0: I totally agree. Thanks, Amal. Yep. See ya. All right, let's go through a few more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe maybe we should just it for the phone calls at this point, just so so we can go through the uh, All right, feedback. Yeah. We're about two
2: hours into our show, so yeah, we I don't should. want to keep people out too, uh, too long. All right. Uh, Dickie from Brisbane writes, I cheered, I booed, I laughed, and yes, thanks to Cody, I cried. Firstly, as an Australian, working a Monday to Friday job, I'm all for a major promotion running a Saturday night show so I can watch on a Sunday. You know, it is... Uh, Interesting point, choosing the Saturday, uh, especially where you have uh, penetration in the UK and Ireland, something that Mm -hmm. if if you are asking your fan base to stay up till midnight for the start time of a show, much easier to to make that ask of your fan, especially on a new product on a Saturday night versus a Sunday night. I, I don't know how some fans in the UK keep up with wwe on with a sunday night pay-per-view
0: yeah i'll certainly say like aew seems to have a uh, uh, pay a lot more attention to its uk fan base and, and that probably goes to because tony khan is is so invested in in, in that market
2: oh and you know based on your tv deals yep. it's the us and it's the uk right
0: now uh okay we follow? go to julio from chula vista who says awesome show from aew with dustin and cody being the highlight of the night for me i could do without the heavy blade job although it was though it was a lot of blood. Uh, Post-match between those two was emotional as it gets, and that's why I love this
2: sport so much. 18 out of 20 for me. Okay, I'm going to go to Brian from New York. Overall, it's nice to see optimism with any wrestling product, so I'm excited to see where AEW goes from here. For someone casually into this company and coming into it without seeing any of being the elite, the first half of the card, while solid in the ring, didn't draw me in a ton. Hopefully, once they're on TV, it's a bit easier for an entry into their stories. The back end of the card was really where the night was made. The electricity of the last two Cody matches had been off the charts, and Dustin more than lived up to his end. Not sure we need as much blood as we had tonight, but maybe that's why AEW is so keen on getting health insurance for all their wrestlers. <laughs> We're going to kill you in the ring, but don't worry. We'll have you insured. Um Hell of a night for the Lucha Brothers. The twisting springboard Hurricane Rana by Phoenix was unlike anything I've ever seen before. Only wish it had been saved for a little later in the match so it would have had a bigger impact. Jericho and Omega didn't quite live up to their last match, and I'm not too sure about the Judas effect as a finisher, but I liked a bit of a swerve on the victor. Jericho will do a great job making Page look like a star if he's to win the belt, and they can save Omega Page for something bigger down the road. We got a Joey from Queens who
0: said, I asked my girlfriend to watch the show with me in an attempt to share something I love with her. And I can only say it went a heck of a lot better than I, when I showed my grandma raw. Oh, yeah. <laughs> While the first match was okay and the next three were pretty mint, to be honest, the final three matches were worth the price of admission with Cody and Dustin being my favorite. A nice, reasonably long pay-per-view that ended
2: on a real good high with John Moxley making his return. 17 out of 20. Guillaume from Quebec city. Cody versus Dustin was definitely my match of the night. Great storytelling and a perfect ending kind of disappointed by the main event and the angle that closed the show. I wasn't a big Dean Ambrose fan in WWE, and I don't think he should be built as the top star of AEW great pay-per-view. And I'm so proud of the super smash brothers impactful debut. Hmm. Impactful might be a stretch, but a debut nonetheless. And I think a great addition to their tag division. We go to our Rick who
0: says, It was a fantastic show. Every match delivered match of the night was Cody versus Dustin and Bucks versus Lucha brothers. Both women matches delivered over expectations. Awesome Kong is a big surprise, but Bid breaker winning means that they are really going to focus on building their homegrown talent. The Joshi six women, even not meant much of the audience knew who they were, but they started to show their appreciation for the performance of the wrestlers. Overall, it was great, but I found it, A little bit uh, negative about the cameras. Personally, I think they are switching angles too many times in a short period, which sometimes
2: caught off a bit of the action. Chris from Queensland. Full disclosure, I'm not a huge fan of being the elite, but this pay-per-view delivered for me. The Casino Battle Royale, although unique, was spectacular and had some meaningful stakes attached. Cody and Dustin had a bloody emotional match, although I missed when he was busted open. Loved the subtle jab at the Fed of having a legend in ring to present a new championship, and the crowd made me wish I was there rather than questioning when it would end. 20
0: shock appearances out of 20. I I didn't think having Bretton there to present the championship was any type of jab toward the WWE.
2: Uh, I I thought it was um, symbolic of, like, you know, a WWE Hall of Famer that's pretty synonymous with the WWE title. Um,
0: Okay, so what? To get... Like you did think it was?
2: Uh, I I just thought it was something that here's a guy that's He's just a legendary wrestler here to present the belt. A guy under a uh, with a WWE Legends deal. Um, Who else would they have gotten? Guy had just been there at the Hall of Fame a few weeks ago. Um, oh, it's it's certain something that I'm I'm sure WWE wasn't crazy about Brett doing. I mean, Brett also went on at, on a
0: Starcast panel saying a ton of shit about the WWE. I'm sure they weren't happy about that either. Yeah,
2: well, but that's I'm- just Brett uh that was just brett but that was aew also utilizing
0: him yeah i don't know we go to uh Jetta who says just call me Jeddah." pretty much the best pay-per-view i've seen in a while lucha brothers versus bucks was an experience the only down i would spot is that omega jericho was slower than all the other matches before even though the payoff with john moxley was pretty good 20 out of 20 also in 2019 we had a pretty serious dustin rhodes match
2: All right. I think that's going to wrap everything up. Uh, Thanks, everyone. Tons of feedback tonight. And I'm noticing a lot of people, uh, lapsed people, coming back to provide feedback as well. So um, very intrigued to hear uh, people's uh, thoughts uh, in the days and weeks to come. So thank you again for tuning in uh, for this live show. And Wayne and I are going to wrap things up. But uh, Sunday night, we're going to have an interview up on the site for everybody. The Shockmaster is going to be joining us. Fred Ottman, uh, who's going to be coming up to Kingston, Ontario in a few weeks uh, for Chinlock Wrestling for their Legends Convention. He'll be speaking with me. And then on Monday, uh, we are going to have for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. We're going to be releasing the entire interview I conducted with Jimmy Corderas for the recent Owen Hart documentary. And then Monday night, we are back with Rewind A Raw. And we will see, is there going to be, um, (laughs) man, is Triple H going to break something? A weightlifting belt. Yes, perhaps. Um, Polka dots. Um, hmm. Maybe he'll come and bleed. I don't know about that. We'll find out. Um, an exposed turnbuckle, maybe. Yeah, or um, like
0: a Siberian Husky. No, that'd be terrible.
2: I'm exhausted right now. so I know I can tell. Let's wrap this thing up. I'm going to bid everyone a fond farewell. Thank you for all the phone calls. Thanks for those that wrote in. And we will speak with you in a couple of days.